Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Season 7 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stogden. There is a new enemy, freaks of nature who interfere with our business. You are my eyes and ears. Find them. Together, we will punish these creatures. These sequelizers. <laughs> it was worth it. Nice nice shredder quote there. Excellent. No, that was a William Fickner quote. How dare you? Oh, God. Oh. The less we talk about Michael Bay in this episode, the better. But we will have to, unfortunately. We'll get to that. And, of course... Joining Matthew and I, as always, it's Tim Matum. Yo, it's the Green Machine, gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound. Go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go. Uh. Fucking hell. If you hadn't already guessed from those, uh, the, the cavalcade of references there, we're fixing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Turtles in time. <laughs> and now the internet will do a gasp. Yeah. Because For two or three reasons. That film is terrible. Yeah. And we had a little pre-show discussion. We'll, we'll start with this and before we get onto our history with the with the turtles and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we need to talk about our patrons. Because our lovely patrons make this show possible. For us and for you, dear listeners who are listening, for free. You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and you get ad-free episodes, you get early access to all those episodes, you get discounts on merch, you get exclusive merch, you get bonus content. We've played games. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle themed games, in fact, that only our patrons will hear. You're, miss, you're missing out. It, it gets weirdly sexy, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Drumming a bass. <laughs> <laughs> but more than just any old patrons, we especially want to give a shout out to our executive producers. Mr. Stuart Main. Jonathan Firth Clark. Mr. Mike Salvia. And lastly, ladies and gentlemen, that's right, we have a fourth and new executive producer, Mr. Tyler Rogers. Heroes in a half shell, turtle power. So you can go and join those lovely gentlemen. You can go and support us on Patreon. And maybe, just maybe for season eight, you can sneak in there and make a little request. Become Their an executive producer. Come true. <laughs> exactly. Oh <my> God. <laughs> exactly. That's Patreon's uh, official theme. <laughs> a really creepy child singing. Where dreams come true. Terrifying. So, gentlemen, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie came out in the year of our Lord, 1990. Need I remind you? The year of my birth. Oh, so you, you came out in 1990. <laughs> I, I, I also I came out in the year of our Lord, 1990. Yes, <laughs> the year of our Lord, Jack Chambers, 1990. <laughs> it's that JC yeah. initials. Exactly. Uh, it's just, yeah. yeah, I'm the, the John Coffey of this podcast. And the, yeah. 
everything is just a Christ delusion because that's that's how it works. Because you're directed by Snyder, that's why you're so angry oh, all the time. Oh god, that explains a lot. That's why I'm so grim dark, <laughs> <laughs> and why I'm uh, bringing Zack Snyder in to direct my pitch. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I'm fixing this episode, <laughs> and I am a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. Is what like ten year old Jack would have said, <laughs> but thirty year old Jack. Not so much, because it's kind of been ruined and sullied over the years by a variety of shit. See, I have a very... Hang on, I'm going to do a Jack Chambers. I've got a controversial opinion. Oh, you got a hot, you got oh, a hot take. I do, you, I do. Don't you, don't you dare oh, say... Bring your ass you to this you, fire. I'm going to burn you, son. Ready? Do you prefer the Michael Bay movies? Because we're about to have problems. So here's the thing. Oh no. Some people might be surprised this film is on here. They might be saying, oh, what about the second one? Is that not very good? Some people will say, why the fuck are you doing any of them? They're not good. Any of them. Uh, and it's like... How, how, the, those second people can fuck off. <laughs> First people, yeah, the second one, yeah, fair enough. But we changed our thing to bad sequel sorted. It's not necessarily... It doesn't have to be like a, a pantheon of, of cinematic achievement. It can be just something we enjoy or we is good or... We don't necessarily have to do the whole where the Precise. rot set in, which was our, which was our earlier yeah. mandate yeah. when we were back in the day. So, as someone of, uh, who's born in the early 80s... Oh, he was a man of culture. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a good cheese. No, that's not cheese, it's yoghurt. I'm like a good yoghurt. Blue and mouldy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unwanted and difficult to import. Cultured like a probiotic yogurt. Yes. Let's go with that. So, yeah, scrap all that shit. Well, you are like 90% milk, so that kind of makes sense. That is, yeah, milk with strange alien microbes. Okay. <laughs> As someone born in the early 80s, I was very much into Transformers. And transitioning to Turtles was normal. I had no uh problem. I, I have no affinity for Transformers whatsoever. Yeah. It was too too, the 90s, too early for me. So gone. Um, but what well, was obviously it was still around. We should point out it's still around, and there were people who still enjoyed it. But it's the natural next big thing. Um, and the Turtles was it. Everything though, if you look at it from an adult's perspective, is a flash in the pan. When you see it as a kid, you're like, "Well, that was forever." My God, it was years and years of Turtles. It's like, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a couple of years at best. It's just the fact that you happen to be, you know absorbing time differently at that point and they keep merchandising stuff into oblivion and stuff like that love for like kids love for it wasn't as high as some might think of it so my controversial statement turtles has always been shit every form the, of turtles yeah yeah and i say this as somebody who um loved the turtles had tons of figures um i, I had the turtle mobile sort of car. It was great. Uh, I had all the different figures. I had the Foot Clan stuff as well. I had um, I didn't have all the bad guys. I, I think I had Baxter Stockman and things and the Shredder and things. So I had some cool stuff. And that was great. And I enjoyed them. And it was a big part of my chart along with like Ghostbusters, real Ghostbusters toys and Transformers and blah, 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 blah. But when I reviewed the 2014, I want to say, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot, um, it was the... Oh, no, no, it was definitely 2014 because it was the day before I got married. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you spent your last day of freedom seeing Mike the Michael Bay. Yeah, I got a stake in London and I watched the up. Turtles in Leicester Square. Oh my God. Anyway, um, <laughs> and I didn't mind it. I thought it was all right. Um, I think all Turtles is just fine. It's all fine. Because at the end of the day, if you look at it with even a slightly adult skew, it's all shit. It's just 
generic dumb crap on a varying scale. You get obviously worse and better stuff, like the animated 2007, I want to say, maybe 2009? TMNT, 2007? Yes. That yes, was actually yeah. pretty competently done. That Which, wasn't too bad. Which, not many people know, is a sequel to the movies of the mm. 90s. It's yeah. in canon with the, the, the films we'll be discussing. And that's the end of the episode, everybody. See you later. We did it. <laughs> um, I just remade that one in live action like 15 years earlier. Problem sorted. Solved. Problem solved. No, that's like, people I, re- I really like that film. And I think uh, the recent Nickelodeon series, the 2012 TV show, is, re- is really, really good as well. That's a but lot that's of fun. that's the point. It's, it's almost entirely what people remember, like you said about things being sullied from your childhood, Jack. If you go back and watch the original Turtles stuff, the first season, the first couple of episodes have got some really good bits when they were using the weapons and then it got really shit really fast. And it's never been that great. The comics. This is the 1987 animated precisely. series. Yeah. Um, and like the cheap animation shit where you'd have like an R on the belt, but there'd be like blue colors on the uh, various fabric stuff because it's like, you know, it's, it's bashed out quickly. And same way, like, oh, He-Man's an amazing cartoon. Nah, it's a cheap piece of shit. It's an advert for toys. Don't, don't get too invested. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Doesn't mean, I mean, we, we obviously all love our, our merch and things and we all love our, our properties that we love. But, it's never, there's never been a golden age in terms of quality. There's only been a golden age in terms of merchandise. So I would heartily disagree with some of your points. Oh, Tim! Yes, it's Tim and Jack versus um, Matt. It's one of those episodes. Join so me, Tim. I, I, Join me. I, I came along a little bit later than Matt. So I was, I think I was probably at perfect Turtles age. Um, you know, I would have been four when this movie came out. Um, and you know, that, that was kind of the peak for Turtles Mania. And I think that's, that's the thing that you're, you're right in that it, it burned pretty, burned out pretty quickly, but it also burned incredibly hard. And for something that is based on an independent comic, the Turtles aren't. The Turtles started out as a black and white comic that was owned by the creators. And they and I think they was... got a loan or they sold something to fund it, like Eastman and Laird, the original creators, yeah. were like just two blokes just trying to make a buck in <laughs> making comics together, yeah. basically. Um, and for about, probably about three or four years, like, Turtles were mm. a cultural phenomenon. Like, there is a reason that they they had these movies they had the cartoon the toys were everywhere for a period they had a live action tv show they Ugh. had you know and 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 that they have continued to have these adaptations because people because it's become such a well known brand like the transformers you know, the brand is continue. still there it's still it's not always been as big but it will always be there and it will always make money yes yeah. that's, that's fair that's fair exactly um, and I think there are there are very good versions of it out there. I think the recent comics where it's oh, been I've heard good things. Yeah, Eastman and Laird come back. Um, the, the stuff published with IDW really, has been really really good the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. Not to spoil my pitch, but I had a couple of ideas I wanted to explore from them, and I was like, "This is way too dark for the '90s films." <laughs> this whole like uh, the last Ronin is uh, the one that's the most recent one that kind of stood out and really hit the headlines fairly recently. It was a big mystery of. It's the last remaining turtle. One oh, of the yes, all the all the right. turtles are dead, and one of them is still alive. And he's wielding the katanas, the size, yeah, yeah. the the bow staff, and the nunchuck. And you don't know which one it is, and you're trying to work out like 
this last like post is like the Dark Knight Returns of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics, and it's really really good. Yeah, I think I think this thing is that there's there are of course like the the cartoon from the nineties, especially once you get a couple of seasons in, the animation quality does sure. dip pretty badly. Um, as with most of the cartoons around mm-hmm. that period. I think the the theme tune still absolutely slaps. The Teenage Mutant uh, Ninja Turtles, that uh, one. I'm sorry, yeah. what, what, where do you think you are? Jeff? I, went, I went, went to the American one. Yeah. <laughs> Teenage <laughs> Mutant Hero Turtles. It's the Teenage Queen's Mutant, mutant Hero Turtles. Corgis. Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. <laughs> Heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. Turtle power. That opening, uh, that opening, as is with the, the, the case with so many. Yeah. I definitely know all the words to that song, by the way. Just putting it there. The, just oh, like yeah. the Power Rangers yeah. one, when I blew all your minds that it has verses. That one was a bit intense. <laughs> yeah. The opening sequence, um, which always got a lot more money. Yes. Uh, for these cartoons and was very cool, and a lot more care taken was mm. was very cool. Um, so I th- I think that it is a concept that has stood up to many interpretations and probably like when you track like how long it's been around and how many times it's been reinterpreted yeah. within a relatively short period of time you know it's only existed debuted in 19, 1984 was the first comics yeah as when i debuted yeah it's as old as matt and there have probably been what a dozen different versions yeah, of it yeah, yeah. in in That's terms fair. of like continuity and interpretation. Some very kid friendly, some much more adult. Every single version, in... Raphael and Don, and uh, Leonardo have a problem with each other. <laughs> uh, I, I'm counting. Just looking at the Wikipedia, I'm counting twelve, including some director video stuff and the various inf- in, mm, like incarnations mm, of the comics. Sure. About twelve different versions of continuity. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So I think it is a concept that has legs. Um. And that. There and and as with so many concepts, you know, you are definitely going to get some bum adaptations. Um, but I think it's to 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 say they're all crap. I think is, maybe, uh, maybe I was a little too tarring them all. I think I think my my to to completely acknowledge what you're saying, Tim, and and not necessarily um, just say yeah, you're right, but um, to to maybe refine my comment, I suppose um, when the 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 new cartoons come out or the new video game versions come out or the new films come out people will always say it's a bastardized version it's not as good it's like my reaction to that is yes but the original wasn't great and that's the point I mean I'm not talking about the comics necessarily because they were very different um, but it's just just the idea of it it didn't come from the highest point and devolve from there and that's where the films become very very interesting because I'm curious to hear your respective uh, introduction, shall we say, and also interpretation of the movies, because I genuinely think age is going to play into it quite heavily. So let's do that. Um, right. So first of all, we, we've seen all, I know there are lots of different films, ladies and gentlemen. We're just going to talk about the first three for now, because for the purposes of what we're fixing for now, you've seen the first three for purposes of sequelizing, <laughs> but have yes. you guys seen all three when you were younger? Yes, I had. I don't think I think this was my first time watching the third one. I definitely saw bits of it, uh caught chunks of it on TV, but I don't think I'd ever watched it altogether. But weirdly, I 
the the second one really sticks in my brain as something I must have. I don't think I owned it on VHS, but I think I must have like rented sure. it. It was on, on more than one occasion. A fair amount, I remember. Along with yeah. the Adams family. Yeah, or, or two. Possibly, two is the yeah. one I remember the most from from my childhood. Although, I, yeah, like many things for me, I saw. I think I might have seen them at the same time or very you know within a very close space of time or when i was young or both so all just kind of blurred into one when is shredder the shredder or the super shredder or when are we fighting who or where or when is kino in the first one i can't remember mm-hmm. who was playing april i can't remember mm-hmm. uh, it all just kind of blurred into one big blob for me but i had definitely seen all three when i was much younger i think i'd only seen three once or twice before whereas i've seen the first one and the second one probably dozens of times each because they would. I think I did have the VHS and it was just on repeat to the point where my dad knows what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is and references that <laughs> to me to this day. Like, and it's part of like some of my childhood nicknames and stuff is is turtles themed stuff. So I remember distinctly that two was the one that would appear at like birthday parties if people watching a video. Two was the one that was on TV more, and the reason is because three was shite. And well, also, that yes, and because one was too dark. And, That's the thing. That's yeah. a very interesting thing, and it's a thing we see a lot in sequelizers. Is there's a tonal shift in this series, and it's quite distinct. Yeah, because I I remember as a kid, and okay, so I loved the TV series. I loved the cartoon. Had it on video, and really enjoyed it. And had other toys. It was very much a cool thing for me to have in my life. And I was about five at the time, and. Then the Turtles film came out when I was six and I didn't like it. I didn't like it for a lot of reasons. I didn't like it because it kind of scared me because it was too dark. I didn't like it because they had certain sort of continuity stuff that I understood. Like, oh, they're in the big trench coat. Well, Raphael is. <laughs> and there's pizza. Yay. Oh, look, it's Splinter. As a child, I was like, I don't understand why April O'Neil's in the yellow jumpsuit. I don't understand why the shredder isn't in... <laughs> Metal. I don't understand why Splinter is always a rat and not a man. I don't understand. And 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 it was just that sort of childlike stuff. Because previously, I'd seen the Transformers movie, which wasn't wasn't live action at that point. It was cartoon with Orson mm. Welles, and um, that made sense to me because it was a continuation. Um, whereas the Turtles was a it, for my childlike experience a reboot, a rehash, an adaptation, obviously. Yeah, it is. It's a weird, it feels like a continuity of the animated show, but it's definitely not and has quite a few distinct differences between it and even not not just in tone, but in like characterization and stuff where, you know, Donatello does machines doesn't really Mm -hmm. become a thing in the first one. He's basically not a particularly smart turtle in the first one. And then they play into that more in they Secret do. of the Ooze in the second one, one, where suddenly he's like, hey, we're in a lab. Donnie, go and check out the computer. And he scoots over in his little chair and does his little hackers thing and like types away and all that kind of stuff. But they're all kind of fairly generic in the first one, apart from mm. Raphael as the angry one. That bugged me as a kid because I like Leonardo. And I was like, why isn't he the leader? And the song, which I, by the way, Partners in Crime's Turtle Power is fucking brilliant. Leonardo leads song. the team. <laughs> it's the yeah. Fa- yeah, and it's the fact that you know, like Leonardo leads Don Teller's machines. It's like trans. It flows beautifully. Yeah. Uh, the partisan yeah. crime version is um, makes up the group with one other fellow, Raphael. He's the leader of the group. It's like he might think he is, sir, but like you'll find the true leader is Leonardo. That's why they give him the fucking swords. Not the fucking sticks. Not the sigh. Yeah. The fucking force. 
defensive weapon, but yeah. It was very frustrating. Also, the version in Britain was very edited because if I remember correctly, there was like no nunchuck scenes. Correct. The like nunchucks of- had recently been made illegal because of like 80s kung fu so stuff stupid. coming so over stupid. to the UK and all the kids so wanted nunchucks and they were like, nope, not getting nunchucks. So you therefore can't show nunchucks in your films. And they also, which came via the German race, I've done my research, ladies and gentlemen, is kiddie sound effects of like boink, twang, and all that kind of stuff would just cartoony shit was just added into the film to be like, see, it's just a continuation of the cartoon. No problems here at all. And then the whole crux of them defeating Shredder in the first one is Splinter using the nunchucks. And then they're just cut out and then he just like falls Falls off a building for no reason. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. Well then, how did they they defeat him? He just falls over. It's like, I don't understand. Yeah. And yeah. then it's just yeah. falling the off the side. One, like, okay. I enjoyed more as a kid because it was more, for lack of a better, kid friendly. I was seven years old. It is, yeah. It wasn't good though. I didn't like. I I enjoyed it more, but I was still really disappointed because. Help me, guys. Because Donatello did didn't do machines. He didn't do enough machines. No, what's what, what are they called? Uh, to- Tocker and Razor. Thank you. They weren't Bebop and Rocksteady, and I was furious. It's a fucking stupid idea. <laughs> why they didn't do a Bebop and Rocksteady, I don't know why. I think it was literally down to yeah. the, the Laird and Eastman wanted them to be like, make an original thing, and you're like, that's not what people want. And also, the Super Shredder turns up at the end. I was like, oh shit, oh shit, as a kid. I was like, that's so, so cool. He's so terrifying. And he just smashes some pillars um, of a, a support. over for no reason. Uh, yeah. And then the, the, the peer that he's under crushes him, and he's like, oh, he's dead. Oh, the film's I- over. It's oh. is the worst. Okay, it's That's the worst. Terrible. He is like the least like effective villain. Mm. He just punches a few pillars and then that's it. And then they go, "Hey, wait, we're turtles!" And they swim away. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, okay. Here's, here's a really fucking controversial statement. At the age of nine, Jurassic Park. I don't think had come out at this point, but it was coming out that year, and I was really excited about it. But I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, and I really fucking liked it. Oh wow! So, wow, like, whoa, 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 whoa! You didn't like the f- the second one, but you liked the third no, one. On. Again, this is the opinion of a child as opposed to the critical no, 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 mind. No, no, I don't, I don't care. I pro- of of the three of them, <laughs> my favorite was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. They looked weird. I didn't understand it. Um, I thought that was stupid. But and the jokes didn't make any sense to me because they were all terrible. But I liked it. Went to to uh, ancient Japan. I was like, this is fucking amazing makes because they're ninjas and i was like this is genius i now know as an adult it it not good <laughs> i mean it makes so much sense to send them if they're gonna go in time take them to feudal japan because they got they've got all the ninja skills they've got the yeah it, it totally makes sense mm-hmm. and like the whole oh there's a green demon and all this kind of stuff <laughs> yeah exactly that is so so yeah watching this for the first time <laughs> As, as an adult, it's so frustrating because as much as the second one is a real change in tone from the first one, continuity-wise, in, uh, in terms of plot, it's actually fairly a close follow-on from the first yeah. one. Like, it's it's still them dealing with the Shredder. It's, sort of. It deals with, like... Yeah, <laughs> it deals with the fallout of having defeated him the first time mm-hmm. around and, and that kind of stuff. And then the third one just starts with them like, 
oh, by the way, magic's real, and also <laughs> I found this time travel device. It's um, like, here's a load of souvenirs. Here's like a lampshade. Oh, by the way, I found this fucking ancient. Here's the scepter time time traveling portal thing. Like, yeah, here we go. Fucking hell, April. Yeah, it's the laziest. Like, okay, we just need the plot to start. Like, just press yes. a big button yes. that says plot start. And there's there's so many like frustrating things. Like they have that whole they uncover this ancient tap uh, sort of uh, scroll that has yes. pictures of, of them. turtles from yep. the past. And it's like, oh, so surely the film's going to end with them like getting sent back even further in time. <laughs> and, and you know, that's the whole... Yeah, like, it's a Bill like, and Ted because... thing of, like, they already exist, so they must have already existed to be in the in the yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So if you see, like, a photo of them all, like, in this case, in a tapestry in the past, that means they must have travelled in the past in order for it to be them. And then they're just like, yeah. no, demon, demons. No. That was yeah. other turtles, motherfucker. They're just other turtles that happen to have the same weapons as you guys. <laughs> and were made from ooze a thousand yeah. years, what, 600 <laughs> years ago, whatever it's like. What? <laughs> I mean, there is the, the, the legend of the Kappa. So it's like a weird yokai sort of demon in Japan, which mm. is like this bald, green, beaked yeah. fucking turtle thing. So. Yeah kind of makes sense but it also really doesn't make sense because they look just like fucking teenage mutant <laughs> yeah. ninja yeah, it's just a big fucking um, coincidence that this particular drawing of kappa yeah. looks exactly like the four ninja turtles that we know <laughs> yeah what's what's weird is on paper every single one of these films maybe if you excuse the names toko and razor specifically work fine they sound like they're actually well constructed they sound good it's purely down to the script, as in the actual, uh, not the, the plot, as it were, but the actual dialogue and the way it's unfolding and so on and so forth, and the direction, and sometimes the production I design, think, yeah. That it falls apart. The production design is a big problem with the third one, because our, we, our, I've talked about them before in my previous pictures, specifically the Oz one, and I'll be talking about them again, is Jim Henson. It's around about oh, yeah, this sort yeah. of time again in the the second film is dedicated to Jim Henson because he died in the early 90s as they were making the second one. And the Henson company did most of the animatronics and puppeteering. And I don't know if you guys have seen behind the scenes of any of the Turtles films. It's yeah. absolutely mental that they have yeah. a martial artist in a suit for doing all the martial mm. arts stuff and then a mm. different in-suit performer as the central performer who is not necessarily mm. the same as the voice actor who also yeah. has a puppeteer with a hand like up the shell with like <laughs> animatronics and stuff. Oh, no, sorry. There's a battery pack in the shell that is controlled by a puppeteer off screen doing the mouth movements mm. to match the dialogue. It is fucking yeah. ballistic that they managed to get that to look anywhere near mm. as good as they did in the first two films. Yeah, I think it's worth recognizing like mm. that uh, even though the designs change for the third one, which is like, why? do that yeah. and toothy they, yeah they look so toothy and horrible but those suits are incredible mm -hmm. like the fact that you can have people in them doing like backflips and the stunts that they did and they still like to me as a as a child that was just like you know i knew that they were actors but also part of me was just like oh they've just got, like they've just found the turtles yeah absolutely like, it's so the fact yeah. that they're you the know, fact that and, they're real and, think, and like tactile and actually in the the room yes. is yeah. yeah amazing they're probably the best looking versions live action wise oh um, yeah because the bay the bay yeah. versions as much as they oh, are they less badly. 
Yeah, they they have aged badly. Yeah. They have weird lips. Oh, the it weird lips! Oh. They have too many accessories. My yeah, problem with them. It he tried to, yeah, he tried to individualize them, didn't he? So it's like, yeah, this one wears mm-hmm. like gold chains and stuff, and this one's slightly bigger than the other ones, and then this one wears like steampunk goggles because Donatello should wear <laughs> steampunk goggles for some reason. It's a machine, it, I guess. sure. And then the third one, the Henson Company do not return, no. and. That, ladies and gentlemen, as we've discussed previously, is a big fucking problem. When you have <laughs> arguably the greatest company in the history of animatronics and puppeteering, and then it's handed off to another company. <laughs> like In the same year that Jurassic Park and Stan Winston's team yeah. are making some of the best puppets ever, because everyone could think they're fucking CGI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You then hand off and... I don't know about you guys, but I find the the talking animation in the third one, the way their lips like jaggedly move, it's like I can almost hear the gears whirring because they're so like snap shut, snap open. And they talk Mm -hmm. like this, and it makes the lip flaps not match with the voice actors. And I am not blaming the puppeteers here at all. I know it was a much lower budget. They were they were working with what they had. I'm I'm not. I think they've gone on to do some really good stuff. Apparently, that production house or the, the sorry the the not the production house the um uh the puppet production house I should say the effects mm. company. I think they've done actually some good stuff. It's just at the time they weren't nearly as experienced as the decades of fucking Henson Productions, mm. where who were as you say the masters of this stuff. As the uh, all all effects company that took over. All um, effects, yes, yeah, and yeah, they just. The the mouth the the way those mouths move in the third one is fucking unsettling for me, mm. and it, I just find it so distracting. I can't watch anything else. If any of the turtles are on screen, I am just watching these big fucking flappy <laughs> toothy mouths snap shut and snap open, and you can almost see like the lips like wobbling as they flap about and stuff. It's so weird, mm. and as silly and as stupid as those suits are, as you said, Tim. You kind of buy. I give it a couple of minutes, and you're kind of buying into this world, and and you really forget mm. that there is just a bloke in a giant rubber suit, like just dancing yeah. about and stuff. It's it's pretty incredible that so many people are behind one thing, and they actually make it work and make it believable. And the fact that mm. you know the. I mean, I again going back to a previous episode. I talk about how annoying I find Bane's voice in The Dark Knight Rises because you can <laughs> tell it's not coming out of Tom Hardy's mouth while he's on set or on the stage or whatever. Yeah. You you mm. don't get that with these films. I totally believe if I didn't know better mm. that the voice actors are the guys in the suits. And I yeah. and, and in the case of uh, Josh Pace from the from the first movie, he is Raphael mm. on the suit because he was a martial artist, and Raphael in voice as well which is really cool. But that was not true for any of the other turtles for the rest of the series. And it's yeah. pretty incredible they got to they made it work. Mm. And unfortunately for the all effects company, whatever they did, whatever they changed, the I know again, working with budgets and shit like that, mm. whatever they did well, just didn't work. You weren't, they weren't salvaging the old suits, they were just starting from scratch. And of course that's They the had worst to start part. from scratch because yeah, I think Henson yeah. owned the rights of the suits. The rights to because it, yeah. animatronic yeah. stuff is like patented in certain ways and the way yeah, yeah I was Hens- say, presumably it's proprietary exactly yeah it's proprietary they'd never done anything like that before so they had done specific technology in the animatronics and in the puppeteering stuff mm. that they will not share with other companies because then you're just giving away trade secrets basically so yeah, why would you share the, the the coding to do a certain thing for yeah a yeah effect? exactly you're not just gonna like share it out with the rest of the world when you're 
Hire, mm. make sure do it in 2020 who cares you you get youtube yeah. tutorials for all that kind of shit but in 1990 or 1989 when they were filming this stuff you don't just share the stuff that you're pioneering in the industry at the time and just be like hey here's what makes us special and now everyone yeah, can exactly. do it that's your brands <laughs> yeah exactly there's, there's no reason to say here's the fucking secret in- ingredient I would also say the difference between other than the suits and the fucking big green blotches on them. Oh, um, they're so weird. <laughs> weird. Just leave it. It was fine. Stop Stop <laughs> tweaking things. The The problem is that in the first two films, the cinematography was better. It was still quite flat in the second one. Uh, and the direction was quite weak. In, it was the Direction was interesting in one as an adult. I could say, I could say it's well made. And actually, I would, mm. if I was constructing a Turtles film, the 1990 version is exactly what I would make. And I would piss off little version of me. Um, <laughs> the other one, the TV one that went very child friendly with Secret of the Ooze, still looks good and appropriate. The third one is too bright. All the suits look even more fake and ridiculous. It's very flat and there's no real contrasting yep. to it. Um, I was going to say, in terms of like the, the, the whiplash, because it's almost constant course correction. So as I said, from an adult perspective, a lens, a contemporary lens, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990 is the, probably the best version of that film because it's what we would write ourselves as adult, adults. And it's also, at the time, it was the highest grossing independent, independent comic, movie. Yeah, independent movie. Yeah. Or family yep. movie or something? Yep. Yes, yeah. yes. And it was, it was, and nobody wanted the damn thing, but it made a fucking fortune. And then the second one came. And then, by the way, I don't remember what the budget was. It was like, like 13, 14 million or something. And it made 200. It was Correct. a huge success. Yep. Mm. The second one had a higher budget, obviously. Didn't make nearly as much because everyone was pissed off again because people had then gotten used to the style of what the first one was and you course corrected and made a mistake. So they it. doubled the budget and halved the box office. Yes. So it yes. was it went from like, as like you said, like 13 to about 25 for the budget mm-hmm. and then went from just over 200 million in the first one to more like 80 in the second one, which oh. is... And that's not great. That's a kick. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's one year later. Um, yeah. in the year of like home alone, one home alone, two. And as you two, mentioned, you Matt, like say, oh, another one. you great. kind of, I kind of forgot or didn't even realize how quickly these films were released, like back to back to back with each mm. other. Because I, by the time I was old enough to see them, they were already out. So I had no concept of their of release course. schedule or anything like that. And thinking it's like 1990, 1991. And then basically straight away follows up in 93. It's like, in the space of three years, you have three films, essentially. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, they're so exhausting. <laughs> like, the fact that they managed to cram all that stuff and, as you said, use some of the assets from the first one and the second one and then bin all that off and start from scratch with the third one. Like, just just t- chill out. There's no rush. But mm. <laughs> you also have the problem, and as, as you mm. both mentioned before, it burned very brightly but for a very short period. So if you suddenly do a Turtles film in like 1998, you probably got no audience for it at that point. So, and this is something uh, we will definitely talk about this more when I get to my pitch, obviously, but I really struggle with what year to release this. Not only with fitting, fitting around people's schedules and stuff. Like, do I just go like, fuck it. I'm replacing the Bay movies and I'm doing a sequel 20 years later. I'm going to do the last Mm. Ronin, but it's, no, that makes no sense. It's way too dark for this continuity. Sure, um, sure. And I had so many ideas where it's, it's shit like that, where I would just go off the walls crazy. Maybe like my blade pitch. And and just do something, you know, completely different to what they did. 
Um, and to tease a little bit, I ended up sticking with the reasonably early '90s for for certain reasons. Okay, that that makes sense. Because I think I See, think if you do delay it, you, you really mm. they lose their the the luster and the shine of that series has really kind of gone mm. over after a few years, mm. and I they kind of disappear and then come back as animated stuff and then disappear again and then the fucking terrible TV show that nobody fucking watched <laughs> and is bad animatronics mm. and all that kind of stuff again. Mm. Yeah. See, I, I think, just, just, to, just to bring it back to that for a second, 1991-92 is where eight-year-old Matthew started going to the cinema a lot. <laughs> is that the, uh, like, you, you haven't lot. stopped going since then, but in like the last 30 <laughs> years. Yeah. Co- only, the only thing that really stopped me was COVID. Um, <laughs> and even then, you've yeah, gone... So, ju- even yeah, then, I still yeah. found a way to get you've in there. You've been yeah. more um, times in COVID times than I do on a normal year. <laughs> Probably true of most Yeah, people, exactly. Yeah. You've already been three um, times. You're going to go another time, as we mentioned. Yeah. You know, going to- See, in 1993, there was a promise of a lot of what I considered good films as a kid. Um, and these were usually advertised quite well in advance. Um, and th- this is obviously the, amid lots of other big things I wanted to see. But I remember distinctly, 1993 was going to be the best year ever because <laughs> Jurassic Park was coming out. Now that part is true. <laughs> That lived up to all the hype. I didn't even know what kind of hype I was getting myself for. But I was also really excited for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 because they advertised it with Mikey running backwards on a horse. I thought, wow! <laughs> they do look cool He's... dressed as samurai riding horses. Samurai, like, it's a really yeah, cool... Yeah, so cool! That, that like, opening shot of them, like, Kurosawa style, sun, like, sunset sun, yeah, style. Yeah. So, again, it should work. It should, it should, it should work. work so well. And the other film I was looking forward to was the Mario Brothers. <laughs> and at my local gallery, uh, uh, yeah, the UCI, um, it, was, it wasn't a local one, I had to go to the gallery in Hatfield or the Odeon in, uh, in North London. But remember the posters for those things were all around the same sort of time. And I was like, this is going to be so, oh, this is amazing. Um, got turtles, I dinosaurs, them. and Mario Brothers. Oh my See, God. I saw the turtles one and thought, this is quite good, but I don't like it. It's quite, it's, again, the child, uh, child Matthew said, it's quite childish. Um, <laughs> And of course Charles he did. Matthew thought the Mario Brothers was too dark. Um, big, big, like scary poop monster. Yeah, I see what you mean. Just, just freaky, weird Goomba things. And <laughs> yeah. um, Matthew thought Jurassic Park was the best thing he'd ever seen. And Ma- Matthew is young. Matthew is correct. Yeah, Jurassic Park but still the is the best thing I've ever seen. Between eighties and nineties is interesting because whenever someone says, "Oh, it's reached in 1990 or 1991," that's an eighties. That's movie. interesting. And um, a guy yeah. who I bring up. Well, I don't bring up, but I, I watch a lot of stuff of because he covers sure. a lot of the films we talk about on his YouTube channel. Is Oliver Harper? Mm. Oh, uh, he yes, brings yes. up a lot of stuff. He he covered some Omen stuff that really you know helped me understand the context for the series. Yes, yes. He does like a little retrospective review thing, which is really useful. And he did. Yeah, Ollie does some stuff with uh, Stuart. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he did all three of these films, and also did a revisit to the first film like six years later whatever it was mm-hmm. when he'd like you know he he did them really early in his youtube career and then revisited them more recently now he's a more established name and it was like this is the film of my childhood and i know it's crap but it's kind of brilliant and here's why and that's exactly <laughs> yeah. how i felt i think it's exactly this kind of similar mm. context and then yeah went on to talk about the second one and all the changes and the, the the tonal changes and all that kind of stuff we mentioned sure. and then on to the third one and it's like oh, yeah and even even as a kid i think you kind of 
if you'd seen the first two and enjoyed them, because I think the difference with you, Matt, is that you were kind of flip-flopping on what you did and didn't like in, in, in that time. True, true. And I mean, you even have also, people... I'm a Daredevil fan, and it's just, it's all a piss take, so fuck it that. Is. <laughs> That's the thing we haven't really talked about as well. It's all one big parody. It's parodying uh, Frank Miller's Ronin. It's parodying Daredevil. It's parodying <laughs> X-Men elements of like them training mm. together and all this kind of stuff and being super-powered mutants and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like... It's one big parody of all these different comic book characters. And yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just one <laughs> kind of one big silly joke, basically. Yeah. Very briefly, we'll touch on this. Just, just before we get to, to fixing things. The Jonathan Liebsman, Dave Green new versions, or as they are more, more commonly known, the, the Michael, Michael Bay. Bay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind them. I think they're all right. He just produced them, right? He doesn't even direct them. He just produced them. Yeah, he didn't really involve them. And he has obviously some influence in like the, 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 the aesthetic, shall we say. So they, they just they look so over. much like the Transformers That's films. The thing, they think it's crossing over. They yeah, say, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's brand similarity. I don't mind them. I think they're fine. They're perfectly functional. Yeah, I, think you, they're, I think they're really soulless and just see, kind, of, kind of corporate and gross. I, I know of... I mean, okay. The Apple mentioned me seeing it in, in, uh, in London kids were enjoying it and i was like yeah yeah i a 30 sorry a 30 full stop 30 year old man at that point god it was, was like, that it was that long ago yeah it's like this uh <laughs> this isn't actually for me and um i i again i i must admit i'm always and i've mentioned this in the before in the past a film no matter how crap it is if the score is good or if i like the score suddenly it becomes better ah and i actually like the score for the the um it's why Out of the Shadows didn't have a good one. It, but it's, it's reminiscent it, of Marvel. It's no... Which is a fucking banger. Talk, talking of Turtle Power and the, the, the animated series theme tune, mm. the main film theme is, is an absolute jam. Was it John DePrez or something like that? Like, I think yeah, John DePrez does, does, he does all three, yeah. And they're not bad, and, they're not bad scores at all. And, and um, Ollie on YouTube we mentioned earlier, like mm. he talks mm. about, as you said, Matt, that a film of 1990 is a film of the 80s. Yes, and yeah. fuck me is that film 80s considering it came out like a few months <laughs> yeah. before I was born. Like, the, a, a decade doesn't really kick in to its own kind of identity and stuff like that until a few years in. Until you get into stuff like grunge in, in sort of 92, 93, well, 94, that kind of stuff. Well, Ninja Turtles 3. That's a well, 90s film. Yeah. There you go. And then suddenly that's a 90s film in 93. And, and, and yeah. I've seen people argue like decades should be from fives. So like 85 oh. to 95 <laughs> is, the, yeah. is the 80s. And then 95 to 2005 is the 90s. Mm, but mm. I know I, I'm being a bit facetious there, obviously. But... Isn't that how Germans tell time? Probably, yeah. They go half past or half two. It's it's like, half what? it's half to three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that film is so eighties, and I think you're right that by the time it gets to nineteen ninety three, the world has moved on into the next decade, and the turtles are still like, "Hey, we're here. Remember us?" And everybody's like, "No, not really. <laughs> you stay where you are." <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's one of the like fundamental problems of the third because we talked a lot about kind of the production problems and stuff like that and tone problems with the third one. But mm. like the shift to feudal Japan, like if this was a like a TV series, like a mini arc in a TV series or an arc in a comic book, you'd be like, oh, OK, that's cool. Let's take them back to feudal Japan. Let's let's have them interact with places where these martial traditions come from. Sure. 
But for a film, it doesn't work because the urban setting, like we talked about like 80s versus 90s and New York as this kind of crime ridden horror show, which was a very 70s and 80s idea. And in the 90s, it started kind of like transitioning to like oh no it's actually a habitable place to live and you know mm. there's a reason why it's bring all the tourists back one of the great cities of the world you know etc but the turtles are very much born from that idea of like we gotta clean up the streets of new york and yeah like, tapping yeah. into the daredevil stuff and things like yeah. that of like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. new york is kind of very fundamental to their identity and taking them away from that I mean, they they have you, fucking New York accents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the the fact that pizza is like this. Yeah, the, their food of choice. Integral part of their law. They're yeah. New York, baby. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yeah. <laughs> well said, as, guy from Spider Man. New York is Spider Man. Um, um, crane yeah. operator from Spider Man. <laughs> and obviously, like in the car, to, uh, you know, the, there's there's the whole um, dimension X kind of stuff in the comics and in the yeah, cartoons and stuff yeah. but it's the contrast between it's you know you have april o'neill and casey jones as standard new york and obviously new york is the setting you have dimension x as this weird thing and you have the turtles that kind of straddle that line because they are Ooh, mutant freaks but they are also very much new yorkers new yorkers you know um mm. and to jump them over to the um to feudal japan to take them out of that context i think it does rob them of something and and like i say like it would work in a longer form kind of Mm. narrative as like here's just a little excursion that we're going to go on but to make it one of three stories that you tell it's a really odd place for them to go in the third film it's kind of inexplicable of like why you would take a formula that's obviously the second one didn't work as well as the first, but you know, more or less works. And it's such a different kind of film to the first two. See, I feel, I think I know why this divergence happens and that's largely the stuff that was happening around about it as well. So for example, fish out of water stuff, the idea of things of familiarity in a different context Mm. was big in the late eighties and nineties. So in a weird way, Bill and Ted, and Bill and Ted, bogus journey specifically. So you're like, they're time traveling. It's a time travel thing. Cool. And now they go to hell. And whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> You've made a big leap here with the second film, but it was fine because it's what happened in the 90s. He's like, do this. Mm. And then you had Crocodile Dundee uh, yeah. in the 80s. And you're like, oh, he comes to America. He's like, oh, he's so. Mm. What do we do for the sequel? Go, he, they go to Australia. Like, oh, okay. It just <laughs> seemed to be the natural conclusion of like, we now have established who these people are. Let's do the British sitcom thing, and they yeah. go on a holiday, and, <laughs> and, or some dimensional travel or something. Yeah. So there was Let's quite Encino a lot. Man of, them. Exactly. There was a lot of that stuff going around where you'd have thing from the past or the present is brought into a different place or a different country. It was all about this cross pollination, culminating in the ultimate experience: dinosaurs being brought back in Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, but no, I, I genuinely think there was a, there was a big old fucking. Uh, Home Alone. Kids say it's a Home Alone. It's like, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. He's not, he's not Home Alone then, is he? He's not in his home. <laughs> he's got his aunt's house. Yeah, it became the, 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 almost the standard. So I think there was a trend. I don't think it was a good thing. I don't, mm. know, I don't know if it's necessarily a conscious thing. But there was definitely a trend for, for sort of, let's say, family-friendly films, mm. kid films, or kid-centric films, to just say, like, right, this film 
what's the gimmick? What are they yeah. doing this time? But again, I wouldn't say that's the logical move. And thematically, it doesn't work. You're right entirely. Yeah. And it's it's like... It fucks its own rules as well. They don't like fish out of water. Like they're already like turtles in They're already teenage mutant ninja turtles. Their water (laughs) is not particularly big. Yeah, (laughs) it's like what they should get. That's always the thing that bugged me about teenage mutant ninja turtles. And this is going to sound pretty fucked up. So as a kid, I always thought they were adults because as a kid, a teenager is an adult. It wasn't until I was in my 20s. <laughs> Adult Mutant Ninja Turtles doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Senile Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> hey, Raphael. Cowabunga, dude. Anyway, so. How do you do, fellow kids? Buscemi <laughs> eyes on turtles. Yep. I don't need that. <laughs> Steve Buscemi eyes. Steve Buscemi Ninja Turtles. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, they got um, big bulbous eyes as it is anyway. So kind of, exactly. He might just Steve fit. Shimmy's their father, their real father. So when I got to my 20s and I'd passed my teenage years, I had this weird epiphany of anything that was Wait, old. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> what? Anything about teenagers was like, that was nonsense. I passed through that period. I've, I've passed the, the fire of teenage years. I was never a somehow, mutant ninja turtle. Somehow more immature. And I'm like, I don't understand. Spider-Man was a teenager and I don't understand the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are literally teenagers but every teenager I know and it, you know you end up thinking more like the Breakfast Club and you're like no that that felt more like it I think so I felt like there should be more John Hughes-isms in and I was like <laughs> I'm not saying that obviously they should do this but it was one of those moments like they're not teenagers though they're nine-year-olds because they were acting like me or alternatively very depressed 30-year-olds um, so for example even like in the first one which does it really well like with the with the Sam Rockwell cameo. Fuck oh, yeah, I forgot Sam Rockwell was in yeah. this film. In the first and one. Teenage, teenage gang as, as violence. lead teenage it's, gang yeah, member I mean, or whatever the fuck he is. Mm. The first one's about uh, t- teenagers getting radicalised. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yep. wow, this is fucked up. Too dark for me, too dark. Uh, but then at the same time, I should point out, Gremlins wasn't dark for me for some reason. <laughs> Don't try and analyse the mind of a child. Unless you're a psychoanalyst. What about Critters? Uh, I never like critters. I don't like good. Art. Neither does Raphael. <laughs> Where do they come up with this garbage? <laughs> so yeah, turtles is a weird one. I always think that they don't sound like teenagers. They don't act like teenagers, in my opinion. They just act and sound like <laughs> voice cast by a bunch of thirty-year-old men. Yeah, exactly. And I felt that was always a weird. And I know it's a reductive thing to say, but I was like, what, what, I feel, I, I feel like from what I've seen of the the you know the TMNT 2007 version, and more importantly the the two, 2012 and Nickelodeon version. I think they're meant to be quite close to being actual teenagers. I think the current Nickelodeon one is meant to be like that as well, where they actually feel like... They were like 15, I believe. Yeah, it, that, that, that feels right. So typical kind of age. Yeah, immature, but having responsibility forced on them rather than, Master Splinter, I don't understand. <laughs> I've been so calm. And I'm so horny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish that was the problem. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like in the... It, in the original like cartoon and in this as well it's very much they're either in like 9 year old mode or like 35 year old mode yeah, precisely where it's like oh if and it's somewhere in the middle 
teenage moment. Yeah, if it's an important thing, like, you know, then they're, then they're very serious yeah. and responsible. But if it's goof around time, then, oh, oh let's, let's, let's throw the pizza like it's a football and stuff like that. And it's yeah, like, the shit go like, long, go long, Mikey. It's very much, it's, it's, it's like a nine-year-old pretending to be a teenager. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a at times it's like this is what a kid thinks a teenager does because they're cool and serious, but they're not. Mm-hmm. That's an adult. And you like, this is what a teenager Written does. By adults. Yeah, yeah, when an adult thinks what a teenager does, well, they're like messing around and they're like playful yeah. and they don't pay attention <laughs> they, when you're trying to get things skateboard done. Skateboard and eat pizza. <laughs> they um, smoke and they fuck. It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Sam Rockwell. Did. <laughs> Back in the day. In the Sam Rockwell gang. Yeah. Shredder fucks. <laughs> you know that that's not also he's voice acted as well. Yes, he is. Like yeah. a lo- load, and so is Tatsu. <laughs> like, which is weird. But even some of the live action people have just they're just dubbed over because yeah, that was reasons. a thing you did in the past. It was yeah, it's a thing they do now as well. And, and so Christopher Nolan does it now. <laughs> so they did Johnny Knoxville in the fucking um for 2014 one, even though he's not the original voice guy. Oh yeah, who's the original guy they got? Because I must admit, when they brought back the proper cast for the uh, the full sorry the full proper cast the full proper voice cast uh, Pete Closick I think his name is he did all, the entire thing and somebody said this guy sounds a bit like Johnny Knoxville let's get Johnny Knoxville in it's like why <laughs> and then Danny Woodburn doing motion capture and the voice of Splinter and they got Tony Shalhoub to dub him you're like why did you do that. Who's Tony Shalhoub bringing in exactly? <laughs> the name yeah, all, those, all those hardcore Tony Shalhoub fans. All those eight-year-old Tony Shalhoub fans fucking <laughs> love Monk. And what's weird is in the in the in the sequel they realise, oh no no, don't do that. Pete Pelosic is, is really good, and he was good. I think he's, he's a really yeah. good. Um, um, sorry, a really good um, Leonardo. But they didn't. They brought back Tony Shalhoub again, I think, because um, Danny Woodburn refused to come back after they fucked him. And weirdly enough, that that happened as you said in the modern iterations of yes. the turtles. But this happened in the nineties as well. They keep just recasting people, and characters just appear and disappear. Yep. Casey Jones is in the first movie. Yep. In the second film, nowhere to be seen. No, he's he's good in the first movie. He's very appropriately good. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's great. Elias Cotius, l- and he's a great yeah. actor. Elias Cotius just fucking disappears off the face of the earth. April O'Neil is recast. Mm. For no reason. Well, I mean, I, I heard she did not get on with the production of the first film. Yeah, Ju- Judith Hogue from the first one didn't get on get on well with uh, the director. Yeah, apparently Steve Barron mm. and and various also, she issues. Didn't get it. Isn't there a story? <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe I'm an urban legend that that Robin Williams, after they worked on, he got she got the job on while he was doing Cadillac Man or whatever it's um, called, and she she had knew nothing. She got the job, but she knew nothing about it. And it was weird because it was like there were tons of really prominent, famous people up for the film. And she was on Cadillac Man with uh, Robin Williams at the time. And he was a big fan of the Turtles and apparently lent her the comics and talked her through what it is. Oh, wow. And then I think when she got on the set and didn't like what they were doing, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. It's classic like anything with these things. We don't know the real history behind it. We may never know. We don't really care. And even going from the second and third ones, you have Kino in the second one, who is like a fairly big part of that movie, and is yes. like the opening sequence. He's alright, and and Annie Reyes Jr. is there, like actually doing all of the stunts and stuff, because he was 
in the martial arts suit for Donatello in the yes, first film. Yes. Mm. And they liked him so much and he was so much fun to work with. Mm. They brought him on screen as Kino in the second one. Mm. And then he's fucking disappeared in the third one. You're like, you, you bring back Casey Jones from the first one, but the, <laughs> the, what, well, what, what are you doing? Where's the, the uh, they bring him back for like five minutes and have a fucking past version. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What the fuck is that shit? What's his name again? Wit or something? Yes. Yeah. That's so weird. That's such a weird thing that they decided to throw it. it that must be like Elias Cotillas like had in his contract like, oh, you get to appear in X. A minimum amount of, of screens. Yeah, minimum yeah. amount of screen time kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's so, so bizarre. And yeah. and it happens with the voice cast as well. So Corey Feldman comes back from the first one yeah. to voice Donatello again because he was Donatello in the first film yes. but it's not him in the second film and then Josh Pace who I mentioned earlier yes. is Raphael in suit and voice and then isn't at all in the second one I mm -hmm. believe and then again isn't in the third one but they change they change voice actors again for Raphael in the third one mm -hmm. it's a different guy again not keeping the same different guy from the previous film. <laughs> mm -hmm. All the puppeteers constantly change as well, despite the fact the first two are Henson Company. Mm. It's fucking chaos behind the scenes, apparently, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's a miracle they made these fucking movies work at all. <laughs> I think it's also worth pointing out that if you go back to the very original comics, April O'Neil is black. Yeah. 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 Um, Isn't Baxter which... Stockman black as well? And there's like tons of... yeah. Yeah, yeah Stock, Stockman, Stockman's usually black and in, in yeah, a whitewashed yeah, cartoon and things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they got very whitewashed, but as they mm. kind of became more popular, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, Be because the film is based on the TV show and kind of not the comics. Yeah, they mm. inherited the whitewashing. Was my impression? From, yeah. From, oh yeah. 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 I, I, I yeah. don't think anyone fought it though. <laughs> no. I imagine they're like, oh, we're, oh, we're, I guess we haven't got a choice, guys. D did anyone try? What, uh, oh, look. <laughs> Um, hey, look over there! It's something else happening. But then, having said that, the, 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 if to, to give them their their common vernacular, the, the the Bay ones have a black stockman in, mm. uh, in Tyler yep. Perry, and yep. he's all right. There's there's only a handful of films where I'm like, I kind of want to see more of Tyler Perry. <laughs> Turtles and Gone Girl. <laughs> yeah, Gone Girl. He is astonishingly good. Yeah, that, I think that's the only thing I've seen him where I've been like, oh, he was that was good. <laughs> Tyler Perry was good. And obviously, I tend to hate Tyler. Uh, Medea's family reunion. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Jesus. I'm kidding. Hallelujah. No, he's he's he actually he's quite fun in in Out of the Shadows. He's he knows what he's doing, and I think that's quite amusing. That he's like, oh no, I'm doing something else other than um, those two. Let's There's something else I thought not he was talk about the Tyler Perry's career, shall we? We won't we won't dwell on it too much. Thank God. <laughs> Stay tuned for our. Special episode on oh interseason content <laughs> interseason oh, Tyler Perry retrospective the, the three good Tyler can I, Perry can I veto that please there is no veto there is only Zool <laughs> there's only Zool <laughs> played by Tyler oh, Perry <laughs> fucking hell before I get to fixing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three Turtles in Time it's time to have a word from a few of our sponsors. As usual, this week's episode is sponsored by Stitcher Premium. They are returning sponsors for this season as well, as you already know, I'm sure. And if you didn't already know, well, you're in for a treat. Let me tell you all about it. Stitcher is not only a dedicated podcast app that is fantastic, just for everyday podcast listening and subscribing and usage, 
You can also get Stitcher Premium, which allows you to listen to ad-free versions of some of your favorite shows. You get extra bonus content and Stitcher originals and comedy albums included for just $4.99 a month. Or you could do an annual subscription, which is $34.99 per month. And if you go to stitch.com slash premium and sign up using the promo code SEQUALIZERS, you get an extra month for free as well. Not only is it a good price, we get you an extra month as well. It's a bargain. Go check out Stitcher. It's delightful. Say it's lit. They'll appreciate that. It's sure lit. 20, Stitcher, Stitcher. 2013 would love it. It's literature. <laughs> oh, no, literature. <laughs> it's literature. <laughs> Stitcherature. Stitcher. It's lit Nietzsche. <laughs> it's lit, comma, Nietzsche. <laughs> Trying to explain uh, podcast apps to a philosopher. <laughs> a philosopher who's down with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say down with the sickness for a second. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> exactly. The second of our sponsors for this episode is Ubico. Ubico sets new world standards for simple, secure logins, preventing unauthorized access to computers, servers, and internet accounts. The YubiKey from Ubico is a physical security key using two-factor authentication to protect your accounts. As more of us continue to work from home, it is more important than ever to protect your secure information. So what can you do to protect your accounts? Yubico is offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase of $100 or more using the code POD, P-O-D. That's code POD at Yubico, that's Y-U-B-I-C-O dot com. Say hello to Yubiki and goodbye to account takeovers. Is it, is it something that could be um, hacked by Donatello, do you think? No, Donatello does machines, but he, even Donatello, <laughs> the smartest of the turtles, cannot crack free. a YubiKey. Okay, well, that's good then. That's now, a, if that's, that's not an endorsement to yeah. a sponsor, I don't know what is. But also, his fingers are fat. He can't touch the key. Yeah, he's got three big... <laughs> how does he type? How did, That's <laughs> a real question. Worst hands. How does his big, these big old green like, does, three thumbs, essentially, just blah, 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 blah. He does machines. He doesn't do computers. That's, you that's, know, he's, he's actually... I mean, he specifically a, does computers quite a lot. A, a computer is a machine, Tim. <laughs> it's not a friend. It's true. He's actually, true. He's actually just a plumber. <laughs> well, that's why I explained And that's the Mario Bros crossover we didn't need. That's what we needed. No, we did not. Oh, okay. And before I wow you with my pitch, we need to take a little uh little stop off to the fruit stall. To the tomatometer and our friends at Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I, and, I hate uh, that it's called the Tomatometer. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Tim. The Tomatometer. <laughs> you're very tomato. welcome. <laughs> yeah, the tomato meter or the Tomatometer. If the you Tomatometer. Oh, no. <laughs> every time for listeners, Tim physically shudders every time I say that. <laughs> Just putting it into perspective. <laughs> Turns out that, that's. T- <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> What's the opposite of a safe word? <laughs> <Tim's>. A trigger. Tomatometer. <laughs> Don't say it, it's my trigger. <laughs> Thank God we're just coming out of an ad read with Tim having orgasms over Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> sorry, he just said, "Thank God we're coming." It's like, sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so. No funny business this time, gentlemen. I'm not asking you to do the the Bay films or any bollocks or the 2007 follow-up. We're going to keep it sweet, keep 
Keep it simple with the trilogy, 1990, 1991, 1993, 1, 2, and 3. Mr. Stogden, I'll come to you first for the film from the year of our Lord and the year of my birth. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Um, or the original movie, if some people... To go back it. to my opening statement, critically speaking, I think these are all going to be shit. Interesting. This could I, be an I interesting point of discussion. I think that the tomatoes on this pizza are rancid. Um, <laughs> but the cheese is good, so we might be all right. Um, okay, t- t- uh, one at a time, or all three in one go? What do you want? Uh, go one at a time, please. That's fair, We'll go that's back fair. and forth one at a time. It's what we usually do. No reason to change it now. I don't know why you even asked. Because I'm radical. Um, <laughs> He's so. a radical, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I just smashed my way out of box that I'm already in. It didn't make any fucking sense when I was a kid. What was he doing in that box? Okay. Be, be in a collectible toy, probably. Probably. He can't be caged in. So, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, I'm going to say is a big, fat, straight 50%. Bang, straight in the middle, 50%. Straight okay. in there. 55 and another O. <laughs> okay. No, I said another, but yeah. Yeah, I think, I think 50%. Okay. I'm going to be slightly kinder. I'm going to say 60%. 60%. Okay, okay. 50 and 60 in for the first film. Secret of the Ooze, a.k.a. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, Mr. Stockton. I think, again, if we're thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to try and think about contemporary reviews skewing this. Like, yeah, would you be would surprised really if it. they were basically the same score? Because I wouldn't. I have a feeling that like no. they would be they would be fairly. No, similar. I think it would be lower. I think people Interesting. would be so angry okay. that it was like people who wanted the darker stuff. Uh, like, it's maybe because it's dumbed down for the kids kind and of thing. Some yeah, people yeah. were like, I wanted something childish and you made it too safe, or you took away all the weapons. Because <laughs> all the complaints from the first film. What about my um, nunchucks? I'd say that's still a big drop. Uh 35. 35 for number two. Mr. Tim. Again, I think I'm going to be slightly kinder, but not by that much. Uh, let's say 42. 42. Mr. Matum. Everything. Yeah. And finally, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. <laughs> give you a clue. It's the lowest rated of the three yeah, of them. I think yeah. this is because of course it gives is. the fuck up. I'm gonna go crazy. I'm gonna say fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. Yeah. For Matthew's doctor. Tim. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is still a drop. Let's let's continue with my slight slightly being kinder. Let's say twenty. Twenty percent for Tim. Well, we have not got a clean sweep this Ooh, episode. Mm. You'll be intrigued and to hear. It won't hear. be a tie because there's three it's not, not a tie. There's, there's two of you and there's three okay. films. Interesting. So, and we will definitely talk, comparing the uh, critic and user scores in a second, but <laughs> okay. let, let's give the results here. So Matt with 50, Tim with 60. Yeah. The actual result for the first film is 40%. Holy Ooh. shit. Is that my question? Is that 
the lowest rating for a quote unquote good movie in our series of sequel oh, wow. sequelizers rules type bollocks. Because often, and I bring this up fairly regularly, we have the classic sequelizers drop up of yeah. 40%, 30%, 50%. <laughs> the first ones are 90 and then you go down to 50 You can't do that with this because it would go minus 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've had a few zero percents on this show before, but mm. starting with a 40 yeah, yeah. is bold yeah. and interesting. Good thing we changed that tagline. Um, yes, thank <laughs> God. I, yeah, I, I'm... So Matt, you're closer, obviously, with 50% yeah, in the first one. I, I do kind of get it because critics of the time will go, nah, don't like it. And mm. there'll be enough people like me, kids, influencing certain... Say adult critics are saying, "Oh, I don't have a name idea what this is. I don't like it personally. Let me ask my child. Let me ask my young." That's nephew. exactly what it would oh, be. You hate yeah. it as well. Okay, fine. <laughs> but certain older kids would have loved it. But it made a fuck ton of money. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, that that didn't mean shit. So second film, Matt, you said thirty-five. Timmy said forty-two. Yes, Matt, you are spot on with thirty-five. Oh, really? Yes. So from forty to thirty-five. Barely changes. I actually understand that. I understand which that is interesting. I... Which is interesting. Yeah, I think the fact that it was kid friendly would have saved it for a lot of. Well, not saved it for critics, but <laughs> saved it to thirty five. But, but I think there would. Well. This is more like it. This is what I was expecting. A piece yeah. of shit. Yeah, I think there would have been people reviewing the first one who were like, "I know it's kid stuff, but it's it's weirdly dark for kid stuff." So it's, it's not really suitable for anyone. Still, mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And for the third one. Tim, you are ever so slightly closer with mm. 23% for the third one. I'd say it's worse than that. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think there should be more of a dearth. And but that again, is that is where the user ratings come in. And these yeah. are far, far more in line with my opinion of the I films. If critics were kind because the production design of the period drama stuff is all right. They were kinder. It's 23%. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, if it's... everything was like 30 points higher, I'd understand the conversation <laughs> you're having in your own brain right now. But being kind or giving them a break at 30% is not giving them a break. <laughs> that's a bad, that is certified rotten on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah, but aren't all of them? Yes. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah, it's a rotten pizza. Yeah. With anchovies and mushrooms. That's the signature dish, isn't it? Is um, it? Yeah, that's their classic pizza, pizza oh, combination. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice. Gross. Um, and <laughs> for the users, the first film is 81%. Wow, the that's... second film yeah, is 67%. Oh. And the third film is 34%. A lot of skewed by nostalgia there, which yeah, is yeah. which is far more in line with how I feel about those films in terms of the drop between the quality. Oh, of course, yeah. of course, I see that. Yeah. If you knock each one of them down ten, fifteen percent, mm. I'd say they're about right. But yeah, in terms sure. of the scale, if you're talking like about sixty something for the first one, I'd be totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. if you're talking like low fifties, upper forties for the second one, I'd be fine with that. Sure. And then if you're talking 20 yeah. or 15 or whatever the fuck for the third one, yeah, I'd yeah. be fine with that as well. So I think it's very interesting that there's barely any difference in the critics because I think you're right, Matt. A lot of them went, oh, it's kids, bollocks, who cares, whatever. It's also multiple years into the cartoon and the merchandise dominating everything. Yeah, yeah. The, the turtle's fever has taken over the world and people are yeah, sick of it by this yeah. point probably. So, uh, yeah. 
interesting, interesting spread. I think it was very interesting comparing the audience score. You have a low bar score. to step over, sir. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, and I had some, as I always do, had some very drastically different ideas coming into it and came up with... I, I, thankfully, I didn't make the mistake before where I went and wrote an entire pitch that is completely <laughs> fucking different and then rewrote the whole thing from scratch and just ended up writing like 6,000 words in total. But I did come up with a few ideas and a few different things. I mentioned earlier, like, do I just do it way later and just kind of do the 2007 sure. mm. sequel, the fourth sort of film in, in like, the, soft canon? The best cinematic version of The Turtles? I, I would agree. I like that film quite a lot. Yeah. So yes. yeah, It's yeah. got a very good fight between Raphael and Leonardo in it. It's exactly. the best fight and between he's them. And yeah. he's the night watcher and all this kind of stuff. It's got some... I really thought about adapting that and taking that, like... Raphael vigilante stuff mm. which I really like from that film and kind of yeah. capturing that I didn't no I didn't <laughs> and weirdly enough uh, I've, I've taken some influences from a few different places sure as we, we've mentioned loads of characters and other versions of it and all this kind of stuff there is a fucking treasure trove of good and absolute crap from this <laughs> this cinematic <laughs> universe and the history of the turtles and things like that. we mentioned back to stockman and and loads of other characters yeah, yeah. who are kind of like synonymous with the turtles who don't just don't show up in these versions mm, of the films yeah. so i'm taking some classic influences i'm taking some modern influences and as i often do i'm taking some ideas mashing them together and building my own frankenstein's teenage mutant ninja turtles kind of i thing. would love it if this ends with a portal opening and the biker mice from Mars and the street sharks and every other fucking spin-off come out and go, what? That was my pitch. What? <laughs> Holy shit! And until yesterday... Teenage it Freaks had, Assemble. It, it had the biker mice from Mars. It had street sharks. Holy shit. It had the Triceradons. It had the lot in. And oh God, you man. will find out the changes later because you are fairly close still. <laughs> and wow. yeah, yeah. Wow, the reason I didn't do bold. Street Sharks and all this kind of shit is because that, that no, that's the problem. Biker Mice from Mars doesn't happen until later. Yeah, it's like ninety six or ninety five, so. yeah, yeah. and this film is in nineteen ninety four. Oh, yours? Okay, ninety four. Okay, I'm saying mine in ninety. Um, yeah, releasing mine in ninety four, and there's a reason for that. But it's the choice of director. Okay, and it's a <sighs> no fucking way again. Me trying to get Sam Raimi to do a Blade film yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I've tried to get very... No way Christopher Nolan is directing my version of Dino Rises. <laughs> but I'm assuming I am God in this sequelized universe and I just put a gun to the director's head and I'm like, hey, by the way, you're doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Oh, old school Hollywood. Because I say, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. We have blackmail on you, motherfucker. Yeah. Make the movie. <laughs> yeah, L.A. Noir shit. He's like, exactly. Got these pictures. Yeah. Exactly. So, my title to start off with is okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Enter the Technodrome. Fucking hell. <laughs> you hinted at that earlier, Matt. It yeah. is a classic Turtles thing. We will get onto what it is later on, and Holy I've kind of changed shit. it and twisted it a little bit. You'll maybe write about some portals as well, Matthew. We'll get to that <laughs> as well. We're, we're going big and bold and silly. I'm I, going I have for a it. question before anything. Sure. Have you seen the new films? Yes, I have. Okay. Because they have I, a Technodrome in it. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. I'm oh, no, kind of... That's interesting. <laughs> I'm weird. I didn't know this until... I must have started writing this pitch a couple of weeks ago, and I watched the 
quote unquote Michael Bay films, the modern ones, back to back whilst writing this pitch, mm-hmm. kind of, and like coming up with some ideas. Yeah. I'm I kind of, kind of remade, but pre made out of the shadows. Salvage what you can. A little bit. Yeah. No, I get that. I've I taken so. influences from that of what could have been cool from that version, brought it to the this. 90s stuff. It's all mashed up together. Mm Hopefully, it's it's a good result. And oh, I'll have a little quiz for you and sort of the <laughs> listeners at the end as well because okay. I don't have Biker Mice from Mars in there. And like I said, I did until yesterday. <laughs> but I have something else in there that you might want to have a little think about and have a little guess about. Okay. The director yes, of Teenage yes. Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 entered the Technodrome and you're about to go, fucking hell. Because he would never direct this in a million years. Steven Spielberg. You're not that far off. John McTiernan. (laughs) (laughs) Never in a million years would John... Basically, I was thinking like last action hero. Is is there a man in the world that does action comedy better than John McTiernan? And my other thought... (laughs) My other thought was another John, weirdly Mm, enough. mm. John Woo. If I was going really hardcore on the kung fu martial arts stuff, and the pictures changed a couple of times, it, originally I had Biker Mice from Mars and yeah, John yeah. Woo. I now have not Biker Mice from Mars <laughs> and John McTiernan. I, I actually, so. I'll be honest with you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because I'm not going to slap you with reality. That's unfair and stupid. Because and two reasons why I'm not going to do that. Reason number one: the all three directors of uh, fuck that. All of the directors of all of these movies are. Insignificant. I don't want to be dismissive, but yeah, they're, <laughs> I they're mean, not kind of, names. Yeah. They're not. But if I said, "Oh my god, who's that?" It's like he's a guy who did some TV stuff. Uh, yeah, and Great. Steve Barron is known for doing music videos. Uh, most oh, famously, did videos. yes, did um, Thriller, mm. I believe, or Beat It, or Beat one it, of the one it. of the big Michael Jackson ones. Yeah, and Aha's Take on Me, which is. An all-time great music video. That's a very popular one because it's very well designed. It's very really cool animated stuff yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, wait, I'm not he did just a gonna... thing that was basically a comic. I know, <laughs> right? problem solved. I'm not. I couldn't be asked to find some random music video director yeah. who I would grab and stuff. And I thought, fuck it, I'm swinging for the fences no, as Casey no, no. Jones. Uh, six runs, as Casey Jones would say, because <laughs> mm-hmm. you gotta know what a crumpet is to play cricket or whatever. Um, <laughs> You gotta have a crumpet before you understand cricket. Uh, <laughs> the best line. It's the best line. Weird shit. Um, so I mentioned this in the, in the just in a chat with these guys earlier um, before we start recording. Um, I still find it bizarre that David Lynch was offered Dune. Um, oh yeah, because uh, so, because obviously the Elephant Man was a huge success, but before that he was offered to direct Return of a Jedi, and I mean That's like so was, weird. Yeah, actually hired to do it, but he like said. To his agent, I can't. I, I, there's no way I can do this. And it's like, do you have any idea how much money you're turning down now? Um, can you even imagine what I would have been like? That film was pretty really weird can't. at times. Anyway, no, no, I can't. I don't like Return of the Jedi, so I, maybe I can't even do it better. But, yeah. but there's the thing: it's not unheard of. It's not out of the ordinary. I mean, we've got Ben Wheatley doing a fucking Tomb Raider film, apparently. Yeah. It, well, possibly yeah. David Fincher doing a fucking World War Z sequel. I don't think it's still happening, but there, no. there's always people attached. You think. No fucking way. Mm. Um, or, or like, who's this nobody? Or what the fuck ever. There's, there's always room for improvement. And in, especially considering, if I remember correctly, in 1990, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film was like of the top 10 or whatever's highest grossing box office of the year. The Turtles was like five or something. Beating out things like 
It was the ninth highest grossing movie of 1990. I've got yeah. my notes here. Yeah. And it beat out Hunt for an October. Which is... By John McTiernan. Which is John McTiernan's <laughs> film that so I maybe, fucking love. So oh, maybe I, I adore that film. Yeah. Maybe he's like... Ma- maybe he's it. just so pissed off. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? You beat me before. If you can't beat him, join him. And it's, he, Last Action Hero, nobody really got. So he might just be owing some favours. So again, you can... <laughs> You, you can yeah, make blackmail, it work. like I said. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. crucially, 1994. So, Last Action Hero is 93. Yes, it is. Yeah. And Die Hard with a Vengeance is 95. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not messing with the canon no, or no, the no, timeline or anything in particular. Him, he's, he's I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm stretching him. I'm, I'm wedging him in there somewhere. No, I get it. I get it. And getting McTiernan in there. But yeah. Interesting. Very but interesting. Yeah, how, I can't believe you said, oh, you don't do bike and bicycle from Mars. I was like, I did until yesterday. <laughs> and I also had John Woo until yesterday as well. See, so. I think you'd probably get John Woo easier than you'd get John McTiernan. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Because John Woo, um, he did the, he does something with John Claude Van Damme. Yeah. That Hard year target or something or like that. Impact. Hard Target. Thank yes, you, Tim. Yes. yes. Yeah. Hard Target was exactly what I'm thinking of. And that his, that's his kind of crossover into the Western mm-hmm. cinema. After the success of Hard Boiled in 92, which is a fucking brilliant movie. Damn right. Love Hard Boiled. In 93, he comes over with Hard Target and kind of then break, tries to break into the West, but Hard Target's fine. Does until um, the late 90s. Exactly. You then have Face Off in 97. And I originally yeah. had John Woo in 95, so it would be before Broken Arrow and Face Off, but after Interesting. Hard Target. Interesting. So, yeah, I was wobbling between two years and two different directors mm. and anthropomorphic animals. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, I'm sure the, list, I, I, the, list, the old school listeners would have appreciated Street Sharks, but <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah, that's in the past. I, I, I'm not... I'm going to wait for the pitch, obviously, because that might dictate everything. Mm. Um, you might, I might listen to think, oh, that's not a woo film at all. But, but yeah, so far, you, you, you might find woo, that you will, might... you will you will swap over to woo. Maybe, yeah, maybe. That, potentially. But I love McTiernan. I, I mean... Mm. I, Me too. He's yeah. made some of my favourite films ever. Agreed. Yeah. One of so, them. And he can yeah. do time. weird costume stuff because Predator and things, so... Yeah. 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 He works brilliantly with costumes. He works brilliantly with action. Um, I think stuff like, obviously, Die Hard and in Predator in some ways are underratedly funny if that makes sense mm. like yeah, understate, yeah. understatedly funny obviously we're going for way more comedy mm. bullshit in the Turtles sure but I think he kind of not necessarily captured that because I don't love the last action hero but mm. the last action hero is that kind like of blind of vibe I, I like it it's fine but it's no Predator or Die Hard or no but it knows you know, what it's doing it's self aware and it's for Red October. actively funny yeah yeah it also gets yeah. the industry as well it's a big parody thing. This yeah. is a big silly parody thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I blah, get blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, yeah. Moving on. Load of bollocks for the cast. There's a load of puppeteers and voice actors and all this kind of stuff. Oh, okay. It, if in doubt, I'm going to quickly run through stuff. It's everybody returning from the first film. Right. I'm bringing back the Henson Company. Sorry, all effects. <laughs> but much like I did with Oz... The Henson Company are coming back because they're just the best and they won't make the belt all mm. creepy and weird and flappy. Yeah. So, um, see if it's Matin, I'm surprised. I would have thought that you would have gone with the Stan Winston studio stuff. Oh, that's not a bad shout, actually. Yeah, because yeah. they, I, I, I would be interested to see what they would. I mean, they probably put predator mounts on everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god, suddenly, like, like, <laughs> you know, we need mandibles. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. We need more vaginas on people's faces. Yeah. Is that um, something? 
but yeah, so you're, 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 you're basically just harvesting and that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. For continuity, um, it makes complete sense. So in terms of live action stuff, I'm bringing back, uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. as Kino. Cool. From the second one, as I said, I, I missed him in the third one, so I'm bringing him back. David Warner is Professor Perry again, Jordan Perry. Again, the, the TGRI uh, ooze, mm-hmm. like scientist dude from the second one. Mm-hmm. And Paige Turco from the second one is returning as April O'Neil. She's fine in the second one. These films mm-hmm. don't really give April anything to do. No. And... I'm afraid I'm probably not going to change that with this third one because she's not the focus of my film either. It's either the case you try and bring the person who's, for a semblance of continuity, the one you had last time, or you bring in a third actor. Mm. That was my thinking was like, she's not a huge part, again, not to spoil anything, but she's not a huge part in in my pitch. It's not really worth recasting and being like, it's someone fucking amazing and yeah, cool yeah. and they're on screen for 10 minutes. Like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm pretty sure um, Sandra Bullock was initially lined up under Nicole Kidman. Don't you dare. <laughs> Sandra Bullock into my pitch, place. Matthew. But, uh, you could use them. They weren't doing much. <laughs> oh, wait, they were doing really well. They were doing loads of stuff. Yeah. In terms of voice cast, yes. Again, it's a mashup of the first and the second films. Okay. Um, Brian, well, actually no, it's 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 the first film cast returning, if that makes sense. Yes. So, Brian Toshi and Robbie Rist are Leonardo and Michelangelo, respectively. They are the only ones that reprise their roles throughout the three films. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm keeping them. They're great. I like them in the first two. Mm-hmm. They're fine in the third one. Yeah. Nothing wrong there. Uh, Corey Feldman returns again from the first film as he did for the third film Mm -hmm. as uh, Donatello. And why not? I'm going to bring back Josh Pace from the first one as Raphael in the third one because I prefer his voice for Raphael. His voice sounds better. The the real New York kind of, you got, (laughs) like I said, you got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. It's that real kind of silly over the top. Yeah, I I remember again, it's the classic memory I have as a child. Oh, it, I ha- it's thinking good, back it's as like, a child. Why does I don't sound like he's wheezing. Yeah, I don't remember there being different voice actors, mm. and then going back as an adult, and also being a huge like voice acting nerd. Now yeah. I, I can identify yeah. a, a particular voice actor from a mile off. I'm like, sure, they're completely different. How did I not <laughs> fucking notice this twenty years ago? This is so mm. weird. I've got a full list of like. So on Wikipedia and on IMDb and stuff, there is a full in-suit performer and facial assistant. That's, that's a job title for you Fucking right there. Hell. Yeah. Which is the, obviously, the lip flaps and the eyes moving and stuff that they what did the, separately. flat boy or girl? <laughs> is it, though? Because yes. facial assistant is basically fluffer, right? <laughs> so's flat boy. <laughs> so's flat boy. Um, so, yeah, uh, they've got a variety of stuff. Uh, I've got basically it's all the people from the first one. I'm bringing all, all the all the crew back. Cool. Not to be disparaging to puppeteers and the animatronics team and stuff. There's loads of them. I'm not going to list them all out. Jack you has can, written them down. He's done. Yeah, I've written work. them. I've written them all down. It's just you, you can listen you can to the names you don't know. So yeah, yeah. I would list a bunch of people you've never heard of. No offense to them. I absolutely adore puppeteers and yes. animatronics workers and all that kind of stuff. There's a load of them. Will be here forever. McClunky. A McClunky. I'm bringing back uh, Kevin Clash as the voice of Splinter mm-hmm. as well. So he's great. He's he Again, he reprises his role. No problems there. On to the interesting stuff. New cast, and I'm not doing the tease where I'm not telling you any of the things anymore. I said the word Technodrome. You probably clocked onto a couple <laughs> of things already. Yep. I am... Oh, I'm also bringing back... I put it in new cast for some reason. I meant to bring it back. A professional wrestler... 
Ah, I finally <laughs> cast a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Nash, the professional wrestler known as Diesel or Big Daddy Cool or Big Sexy, if you will. Sure. That's a real thing, non-wrestling fans. Uh, he was <laughs> he was Super Shredder in the second film. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that until I looked it up because he's six foot seven, I mean, he's a big six foot guy. eight yeah. in real life. Yeah, he's also in Magic Mike. He's the yes. the big hairy like middle aged dude, big sexy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm bringing him back as Super Shredder, sort of, and I will mm. clarify that in in body only, essentially. Okay. In this film as well, so are Kevin Nash in this film cutting a hole in his tummy. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, <laughs> maybe. I won't say anything. I won't say let's, let's, keep, let's, going. let's keep going. Speaking of cutting holes in tummies, <laughs> uh, the voice of Krang, I'm bringing in some Krang, Ooh. is the voice from the animated series who reprised his role mm. in other versions of the Turtles and stuff. He is the definitive Krang voice. It's pretty it's, distinctive. It is. Pa- Pat Fraley is, is Krang for all intents and yeah, purposes. Yeah. And what I didn't know, and I looked this up, is Pat Fraley did... Something like seventy different characters, including like Casey Jones and back to Sto- Baxter Stockman on the animated show. He is work. like anyone who's not the central turtles is probably voiced by this guy, and he is kind of like really underrated as a voice actor. Mate, he is mm. iconic to my childhood and fantastic. Yeah, exactly. He's doing his whole crank thing. There's going to be a lot of that. I literally put, I think I put the word gargling in there somewhere. He gurgles and gargles quite a lot. Gargles balls. Yeah. Uh, So Krang, if you don't know, is the little pink brain alien thing that inhabits the chest of a larger, musclier robot man. (laughs) Don't know. Um, And he's a little, there, like, warm, little squishy walnut looking dude who's. uh, the ruler of Dimension X. From Dimension X, exactly. Mm. He's a multidimensional conqueror, sort of, in some iterations. He's hentai. And he, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's got little tentacles. He's, he's, a, big ball, he's hentai. a big ball sack. He's got a big slathering mouth. He's horrible. He's the chewing um, gum you find under the table that's still... Yeah, skinny. it kind of looks yeah. like pink chewing gum. Exactly. Speaking of African-American Baxter Stockmans, I'm bringing in Keith David. Fuck yes. As yes. Baxter Stockman, because I love me some... Speaking of great voices... Yeah, yeah. Keith David is fantastic. Uh, I love Baxter, Baxter Stockman. is one of my favorite TMNT villains. Um, I, I may or may not do things with Baxter in this thing that may anger some fans, but he's in the film and I, I like him a lot. He has a really long fans. fight with Raphael about putting on some sunglasses. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's all you need. It's very realistic. goes on far too long. <laughs> and another TMNT villain that some of you may be aware of is a character called Slash, who was quite a like important character? Is he like the Bizarro turtle. Yes, he's the, he's the snapping turtle, Bizarro yes, turtle. Who's who's got like, in the cartoon? Yeah. He's got like a black bandana. He's covered in spikes, and he's basically Bizarro turtle. He's big. He's he's, a, he's, he's huge. OG, right? He's classic turtles. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's he's basically been in every iteration of the turtles. Oh, okay. Like in the comics and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slash is great. Also, because he's physically much bigger than the other turtles being mm. a snapping turtle mm. and all this kind of stuff played by another wrestler <laughs> and this and this wrestler is even bigger than kevin nash yeah okay okay which this which, is a guy there's not sorry, many I'm, people on that list <laughs> exactly like i said kevin nash is legit like six yeah, seven yeah, or yeah. something like that this guy is legit seven foot tall 
uh, as we wrestle as we wrestling fans say he's shoot that <laughs> means that means real in real life not fake wrestling bullshit seven foot tall mm-hmm. you may know him as the giant from the 90s or oh, m- more recently you may know him as the big show from oh, wow. the big show show on netflix yeah. mm-hmm. uh, i'm talking about paul white he's going to be playing slash in a big rubber suit so slash is going to be fucking huge and that's kind of all you need to know. He's a big, huge, lumbering, intimidating, bizarro turtle kind of character. Here's a bit of pointlessness for you. I remember watching The Waterboy. Uh, oh, <laughs> he's in that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's in that. And I, in my haziness of being maybe 14, 15 when that came out, I was like, wow, that guy looks like Bill Bailey. <laughs> he does kind of I mean he had really long hair at the he time did, yeah. and, a, and like a goatee beard and stuff yeah. Um, yeah. and he was also he, he, in Jingle All The Way and shit he's he's, he's, he's the giant Santa in yeah, Jingle All The is, Way yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah he's actually he's got a good screen presence and I think that's actually a really interesting choice Yeah, he's kind of terrible these days oh I wouldn't but, be surprised if he's a complete right wing cunt yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no no I mean he's a, he's a terrible actor is what I mean oh <laughs> like, the, have you seen the Big Show show it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire I watched the first Six minutes, and I had to turn it off. <laughs> it was that sounds like a it, sketch. <laughs> it was American sitcom laugh no, track no, bollocks. No, no, it's no, Modern no, Family, no. but acted by wrestlers. Oh, it's it's awesome. the worst fucking show I think I've ever seen in my entire life. But this is 25, 30 years ago, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul White is not terrible yet. Everything's fine. So I think I think he's in WCW, just about to go to WWF, as is Kevin Nash. And I did have to check. Because this is a thing, being a wrestling fan, if you start to cast wrestlers, you need to know what company they're working for (laughs) because you can't have WWF and WCW people in the same film because WWF didn't allow that. Classic MGM Paramount bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) And the problem is, me making it 94 or 95 massively matters because I can't remember which one it was, but one of them jumped ship to the other company in one of those years. And I had to recast, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, oh God. Fine, we'll stick with 494. I've got the cast, that, that, that'll be fine. So but there again, you go. It, it, last question. No Casey Jones. I assu- Sorry, Elias. Interesting. But I assume... He's fine. Well, he's very grounded, and he wasn't in the second film, and if you're going yeah. to mention X, I think that might be... I'm, I'm going bigger and bolder and madder. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I um, have a theory about what the other property is going to be, but I'm I'm not going to say it. But I'm okay. I've got it um, locked in. Okay, <laughs> it's in there. I assume this is going to be full on makeup style, uh, like Tokar Razor kind of shit. Yes. Oh yeah, these are full rubber suits and big yeah. ridiculous bollocks. And he's not going to be slash by way of the Mario Brothers movie where it's a no 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 no. It's full on rubber suits and animatronics and stuff and. Thankfully, my my version of Slash doesn't say much, which is which is kind of in line with a lot of the other versions mm. of Slash. Yeah, I think so that's accurate. the big show doesn't need to say much. He basically needs to stand there and like Brrr. laugh laugh a couple of times and, <laughs> and growl and stuff. Dubbed. Yeah, and he, well, he sounds like a giant. He's got he one of those actually, voices yeah, where he sounds seven feet tall. So, which yeah. we'll get we'll get Keith David to do his voice further. We could dub Keith David yeah. and then dub Paul White over the top of. Acts to stop, and, and then it all goes horribly wrong. And we're whitewashing and blackwashing the other actors. All the chaos. Anyway, I'm ready. I'm ready. This is interesting. Mm. Okay, let's get stuck in. In a dark New York back alley, a young woman hurries home from her late shift at a diner. Stop. 
Isn't this the exact same thing as your blade pitch so far? Yes, it is. I did that on purpose. I'm, I'm glad you noticed. In a, in a dark New York back alley is the same opening phrase as my blade pitch as well. I yeah. swear to fuck, I hope it just says the entire thing is the blade. Spider-Man, you just double down and say, I don't give a shit about turtles. I've just swapped Spider-Man for the turtle. It's, it's word for word the same pitch, but instead of Peter yeah. Parker, it just says Leonardo. Rather than blade, it's the Technodrome. <laughs> Blade enter the Technodrome. <laughs> right, sorry. That yeah, would I, be kind of amazing. To oh be no, fair. Blade is the Technodrome. He has a, <laughs> oh. a giant Death Star with rather than a big eye, it's a big sword. Right, yeah. I'm if, really if, Blade, if Blade's going to be entering the Technodrome, then it's going to be a big place where a lot of techno music is being played. Oh, <laughs> oh absolutely. And, totally and, is. and blood sprinkling. And blood sprinkling from yeah. the ceiling. Updating the yeah. discotheque to the Technodrome. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. Okay, okay. <laughs> The last remaining members of the Foot Clan approach her and threaten to steal her purse. As her purse is snatched, a shuriken flies from the darkness and hits the thief's hand, causing him to drop the stolen purse. We see brief glimpses of a flying kick, flips, and a symphony of punches. Despite their knives, pipes, and other weapons, the thugs are knocked out single-handedly by the butt-kicking hero, and he hands the purse back to the woman. The camera pans up to show Kino sporting a low-budget costume that barely hides his identity. Kino puts on a deep voice to tell the woman that she's safe now and that he'll call that. He's interrupted by a kiss on the cheek, which instantly makes him break character and freeze up. Finally, a huge grin spreads across his face as we hear applause coming from Leonardo, poking his head up from a manhole cover nearby. Kino takes a bow and follows his sensei underground. It's very 90s. This feels <laughs> like it's, it's 90s already. It, yeah, it's got a sexual assault. Um... <laughs> But from a woman in the 90s, so it's fine. How do I repay you? With a sexual favour. No, it it genuinely feels... Already this this immediate setting feels... It's like a better word, right? Turtles. Yeah, it does feel turtly. Okay. The camera follows them, running along the inside of the sewers and emerges out into a nearby dock. We see some workers cleaning up some debris as a scientist with TGRI logo and the name Baxter Stockman on his ID directing them. As the enormous body of Super Shredder is raised AKA by Kevin a- Nash, the yeah, enormous body right, of yeah. Kevin Nash. As the enormous body of Super Shredder Kevin Nash, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is just what you just call someone now who's really pinch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or also someone who's on oh, that Super Shredder, sorry, that's COVID. Super Shredder Kevin Nash is raised by a crane. Stockman asks if this will work for the plan. An off screen, eerie voice, which I feel is probably very gargly. Mm, <laughs> very gargly. <laughs> Tells oh. Dr. Stockman that it should do nicely. I can't do Thank a spec crying, fuck it. It should That's do nicely. The title card appears over the Super Shredder's Kevin Nashed body. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> Enter the Technodrome. The Technodrome. Fucking Mad Max style logo with like, <laughs> m- like fucking steel or some shit. Yeah, there's lots of swooping and like, yeah, it'd be very metal style. Yeah. yeah. Metal as in physically metal, not metal. I'm bringing back that theme as well. Yeah. But like, sombre and minor. <laughs> super Shredder's <laughs> there. Mad world. Mad world. Gary Jules' version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme. Leo and Kino arrive back at the abandoned subway hideout and are greeted by Splinter and the other turtles. 
that's the hideout from the second one yeah. after they moved from the sewers and yes. blah, blah, blah. Yep. Kino enthusiastically describes the action from his fight, blow for blow, while everyone listens intently. Kino finishes and awaits applause. The turtles turn to Leo and he confirms that Kino was great. His brothers explode with enthusiasm and hug Kino, celebrating his success. Splinter explains that now the last of the Foot Clan has been extinguished, Kino is ready for the next step in his journey. After a solemn moment of reflection, April arrives with pizzas and the celebration continues with a pizza party. It's a classic. Splinter goes like, mm, yeah. we must reflect on this. Yes. Pizzas! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He puts his hand on his face and goes, oh, oh. I have pepperoni. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. I did the oh, funny. They, they got my order wrong or something like that. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, add turtles quips as we go. I have added some into the pitch because I couldn't resist, but assume say, it's just constant quipping. Yeah. Basically. I would say they would say Kino was great. It was Kino was, and then they'd say, Bodacious! Outrageous! Exactly, yeah. Yeah, something like that. He got a kiss from a girl! <laughs> she got In PTSD. A- <laughs> for being fucking mugged. <laughs> and saved by a teenager in a bad superhero costume. Yep. In a TGRI lab, Stockman is running tests on Shredder's ooze-infused blood <laughs> while the towering but damaged body lies on a slab. The same voice we heard before is also present, off-camera still, instructing Stockman how to correctly extract the mutican from Shredder's blood. Stockman says that the body is ready as his attention turns to a larger pod in the corner of the lab. The doctor presses a few buttons on the pod and inserts the Shredder's ooze blood into a capsule on the side of the machine. The now familiar voice echoes from behind Stockman as Shredder gets to his feet, revealing a grotesque pink creature sitting in a hole in the towering figure's torso. You nailed it, man. Okay, 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 okay. That's a a smart move, actually. Introducing it for, for fans of the... I don't know how you do a live action of that fucking stupid design of that big blob of a man with yeah easily it's still stupid if you think about gremlins and shit you can do that kind of gelatinous sort of I think you could do that quite well there is Um, there is also some precedence for him using Shredder's body and stuff like that yes that's true Um, it's been established in comics do you remember the toy the Boglins unfortunately I do yes there you go make a Boglin make a Boglin (laughs) if in doubt make a Boglin (laughs) Krang pilots the giant body of Kevin Nash forward and gurgles a laugh out of his huge mouth. Told you he gurgles and gargles yep. and shit. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Ex- exactly. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Exactly. He asks if their experiment will work and the doctor gestures to the newspaper with Ninja Rap is born. Fucking Ninja Rap. <laughs> God damn it. That That's the front page from the end of the second film. Yeah, I know. That's not me making that up. That I is know, the, but you yeah, brought it yeah. back. Ninja Rap is born on the front page and reassures Krang that it has worked previously, placing a snapping turtle from a nearby terrarium into the pod. We zoom into the turtle's eyes as green gas fills the pod mm. and Jeff Goldblum steps out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Baxter, uh, for those of you who don't know, Baxter Stockman is a fly parody because he comes he out as a big fly monster. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Back with the heroes, Splinter is training Donatello, Michelangelo and Kino in meditation. Raphael and Leonardo are on a nearby abandoned subway platform that they have transformed into a small sparring area. 
They bow to each other and begin sparring, which starts lightly with one-liners and mocking back and forth. As you can imagine, teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles quips. Yeah, they they did that that alphabetized mocking thing in like the first one. That that feels appropriate again. Bring mm. that. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. Time. Yeah, exactly. It's very hook, but quickly becomes more and more intense as Raphael's jealousy of Leonardo's position as Splinter's favorite son bubbles up to the surface. Classic. Leo initially has the upper hand, teasing his brother and making him <laughs> reckless. But Raphael's strength is eventually too much, and the Ninja Turtles leader is defeated. Raphael stabs a sigh into the ground a few inches from Leo's head, as Splinter tells them off for turning their sparring into violence. Raphael storms off, as Splinter's advice about anger from the first film echoes in his mind. You must channel your anger. It is your greatest strength. Fuck you, old man! It can also be your greatest weakness, and all that kind of shit. Classic Classic Raphael. One classic of the very Raphael, few things about Turtles Splinter. 3 that's alright. Yes. It's an angry kid, and Raphael's like, don't yeah, be an angry kid. I, we did mention kid. that, yeah. He's yeah. actually got a nice little dynamic with that kid, and mm. he has like a little uh, arc, about the only character that has an arc in that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Raphael hits the streets, donning in costume which is a mixture of the trench coat and a Casey Jones-style mask over his giant turtle head. <laughs> kind of kind of doing the vigilante night watcher thing, yes, but yes. he learned from the previous ones where he just goes out in a trench coat, everybody goes, uh, you're a giant fucking turtle. So he's taking a bit more, oh, taking a bit more precaution. <laughs> it's Whenever so stupid. The turtles do it or Ben Grimm uh, from oh, Fantastic Four does it. Does. Just a big trench coat Michael Chiklis and this big fucking yeah. thing. Just yeah, a yeah. Humphrey Bogart looking motherfucker except, no you're not. We can see your fucking face. <laughs> While mostly sticking to the shadows and rooftops, Raphael is distracted, talking to himself about how Leo sees himself as all high and mighty and how I should be the one training Kino. And you can imagine, he does <laughs> the kind of thing where he does the like karate kicks on rooftop before attacking with the Foot Clan yeah, yeah. in one of the other films. At the end of an alley, we're back in an alley again, it's my favourite. <laughs> he sees what appears to be a silhouette of Shredder. He doesn't believe his eyes and chases the shadow down the alley, but to no avail. Instead, he is met with another towering figure. A fellow mutant turtle that dwarfs Raphael. Raph jokes about a long-lost cousin from down south before Hey, this... you're like a long-lost cousin <laughs> from Texas! You were, you were like one of those New Orleans kind of... Uh... You were New Orleans you turtle, were right? kind? Yeah, exactly. exactly <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. get it, yeah, yeah. You've been flushed down the toilet? Yeah, I heard about yeah. that too. You don't talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> before his foe charges towards him with unnatural speed, sending Raph flying cocky, arrogant, red fucking <laughs> bandana piece of shit. <laughs> I, I, Raph's fine. Krang, still piloting the super shredder Kevin Nash body, towers over Raphael and instructs his creation, Slash, to continue punishing him. Slash swipes and punches Raphael while he's down. That's, 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 a, that's a villain move. Yep. And snaps Raphael's side. Whoa, fuck, with his huge mouth. It's like, it's it's like, got a big like snapping turtle animatronic yeah, no, mouth. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like Jaws in uh, James Bond. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Krang leans down to the defeated turtle, telling him to send a message to his brothers, whispering in his ear. Which is going to be that body whisk leaning over <laughs> his <laughs> torso, leaning on it, it, It's a stomach near his ear. Yeah. <laughs> it whispers in his ear. <laughs> Slash picks up his fallen foe and throws him into a nearby sewer. Does he have a quip at the end? Does he say anything like, like in a Floridian <laughs> accent? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't the, I don't know where the big show's from, actually. I don't know what the fucking Floridian accent sounds like now, actually, at the end of the day. 
Uh, Flo Rida. That's what it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> he is from South Carolina, but he doesn't have a Texas accent. Oh, sorry, he doesn't have a Southern accent. So. Mm. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, okay, okay. But yes, Slash is mostly silent in this film, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Krang would be the one would that would like have the one line. Uh, like a, a growl. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Curled like a lip. Turtle. Or something like that. And then Stars. Yeah, he's, he's nemesis, exactly. Got it. Yeah, there's a Resi reference for you all. <laughs> Tim loves Resident Evil. <laughs> Splinter receives a telepathic message from the wounded Raphael and sends his four protégés to search the sewers. The group surf and skate their way through the sewers in search of their brother, dodging a large sewer crocodile Obviously, the they're going to surf and skate because turtles. Yep. They find Raph, and he mumbles as Leo lifts him onto his back. Shredder. It was Shredder. Raphael wakes up back at the hideout, sporting a scar across his face and claw marks on his shell. Raphael explains what he saw to the group. Super Shredder. A talking brain and another mutant turtle. Professor Perry, who has just been there the whole time because that's how 90s things work. <laughs> Tyler Perry, uh, yeah. Yeah, Tyler Perry. Overhears Raphael's talking brain description and rushes to his desk. Splinter asks Raphael more information about the turtle specifically. Raphael confirms that he appears to be similar to them, except he didn't speak and he was a lot bigger. As he's describing his assailants, Perry comes rushing in with a file and opens it, revealing a blurry image of a pink, brain-looking creature with tentacles and a large mouth, something very similar to Krang. The professor tells a story of how a scientist from TGRI first discovered the mutagen and managed to catch a glimpse of the source of the ooze, pointing to the photo. It's his cum. <laughs> it's the Krang milk. Weirdly enough, and this is not in my pitch, so I'll tell you this now, it is milked from giant, like, dune-like sandworms on the Krang homeworld originally. Okay. Oh, right, okay. I'm not kidding. They're like Krangazoids or something. Is the, <laughs> Yep. And they're big sandworm monsters. Is this like, like Last Jedi doing the blue milk origin It's story? the blue milk from Last Jedi, yeah. Yeah, and they just do that weird, like... <laughs> Luke Skywalker does. <laughs> I'm so swollen. <laughs> Milk me! <laughs> There's only one person on the island drinking the milk, and it's Luke. And he's like, "Can I do so much, kid?" I mean, I mean, if you're going to pick somebody to do a great voice actor, Mark Hamill is Krang. That's yeah, that's such a good yeah. point. He's Joker Krang. That would work quite well as well. Milk me. <laughs> okay, that's in the outtakes, but it's it's, it's great. Oh, it's great. So delirious. <laughs> Perry explains that they thought his colleague had gone mad when he began ranting about a talking brain from another dimension. Donatello explains the multi-dimension theory to his brothers as the others spin off into thinking alternate versions of themselves. Hey, what about... Hey, maybe, hey. maybe I have a girlfriend in the other dimension. Maybe nah, I'm... not even in the other dimension you can have a girlfriend. Well, exactly. Maybe I'm the leader. No, Raph, you're never the leader. <laughs> exactly that. Maybe exactly there's a world that. where we're all Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Maybe it's what we're Teenage everyone's a turtle. Mutant, Nazi turtles. Teenage <laughs> mutant Nazi turtles. Heroes of the 40s. Fuhrer power. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure no, like, there's already a power that, uh, that Nazis have. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but... Why eat power it doesn't quite work. <laughs> They're the world's most fearsome genocidal machine. <laughs> okay. 
Raphael completes telling his story and delivers the message from Krang. <laughs> Turns out he didn't hear him. <laughs> I couldn't really make him out. He was just mumbling and gargling and stuff. He'd be pretty hard in the head. Okay. Enter the Technodrome and meet Jamaica. The group wonder what the Technodrome could be. As a TV oh, it Christopher Walken. It was about and I'm tired. <laughs> as Why have they got to meet t- Jamaica? <laughs> Enter the Technodrome and go to Jamaica. Enter the Technodrome and meet your oh. maker, Mr. Potter. <laughs> Rickman is crying. <laughs> The group wonder what the Technodrome could be as the TV switches over to local news with April frantically reporting in the streets of New York. The camera shakes as an enormous metal fortress, a Death Star, if you will, <laughs> smashes through a building behind her. As the fortress comes to a stop in Central Park, we hear Krang's now familiar voice echo from speakers atop the fortress. Big old eyeball. And a big old eyeball for some reason. Yeah. Because 90s. Yeah. Welcoming everyone to... The Technodrome. I'm done. I was expecting it to start up again. No, you were right to expect that. That's very me. But I regretted doing it the second I started. The Turtles and Kino race to the park, following a path of destruction through the city. They arrive and are greeted by a mutant rhino and warthog guarding the entrance. Fucking hell. There we go. No talker and razor in my bullshit. <laughs> Your bullshit. Um, yeah. who, who, are, who are playing these guys? Just some dudes. Uh, yeah, so th- there's just a little cameo, little nod to Bebop and Rocksteady oh, okay. here. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, insert puppeteers here. Um, uh, all good. Fair enough. It's not funny enough. Other WWE wrestler, Seamus, <laughs> who is in the Michael Bay films for some reason. Because he has dicks. a mohawk and he's large, yeah. I guess. <laughs> The turtles state their names and are granted access, leaving Kino outside. Kino is specifically not allowed in because he's not a mutant ninja turtle. Mm-hmm. Fucking racist. Yeah, pretty much. Mutant racist. <laughs> they enter a huge high-tech arena with various terrain, and we cut to Times Square as Krang broadcasts to every visible screen. Classic. You see all the screens in Times Square yeah. and then Krang's yeah. face appears and, yeah, typical classic stuff. The snapping turtle who attacked Raphael earlier is stood in the middle of the arena, but as the turtles chase him, he ascends to a platform above, laughing as he goes. He joins Krang on the platform as the Technodrome's host announces a battle between the Earth's mightiest warriors from across the multiverse. Mm. Here we go. This is the juicy (laughs) bit we'll be discussing in a minute. On your left, Cap. (laughs) Pretty, Pretty much. It's portals time, sort of. Krang continues his announcement, the giant battle royale will be broadcast around the worlds of their respective dimensions. The winner's planet will be chosen as the new Krang homeworld. Cue quips of, that doesn't seem like much of a prize. (laughs) And the losers will have their Earths destroyed. More quips of, maybe the first option ain't so bad (laughs) after all. (laughs) That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Doors around the Technodrome open and the camera pans across the other groups of anthropomorphized combat-ready animals. Here we go, gentlemen. Hamsters 
hamsters, you heard me right, wearing red karate gis and black belts, green gerbils with martial weapons and pink singlets, kangaroos throwing kung fu kicks, elephants with katanas and armour, and last but not least, gun-toting koalas in military gear. Fucking hell. Elephants with katanas. You heard me. We, so that is the point where we will come back to this at the end, mm. and uh, I would like you to guess the names of these groups, because these are quote-unquote real groups. <laughs> Fucking really? From Yeah, they are real Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles parody comics, of oh, which I wow. own some of, by the way. I own some of the hamster comics, and they're fantastic. And yeah, these are all real, actually published comics that were parodies of the Mutant Ninja Turtles, and... I'll let you guys have a time to think while you read the rest of the pitch, and we'll come back around at the end. Precocious preteen pachyderms. <laughs> Pretty much. It's <laughs> shit like that. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're on the right track there, Matthew. Okay. Carry on. A klaxon sounds, and Krang announces, Let the battle begin. <laughs> Before proceeding to, go to just dribble all over himself. <laughs> Pretty much. Before proceeding to commentate as the various fighters are unleashed. A chaotic martial arts fight ensues. So this is the point of the pitch where I'm not describing every punch and kick. <laughs> Imagine cool kung fu action and karate kicks and awesome stuff, and it's all. I mean, a I'm, lot I'm of fun. kind of just seeing Mortal Kombat. Kind of, kind <laughs> yeah. of, yeah. But it's it's all they're all unleashed at once. It's not one on one. It's oh, no, all no, it's, just it's a big a battle yeah. royale. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a big battle royale. Sure. Yep. The wrestling boy. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is this fist? Fists. <laughs> <laughs> one fist. Fists, kicks, and fur flying everywhere. It's a fucking orgy. Accompanied by a radical 90s soundtrack. Widdly, Some groups split up to tackle multiple foes, while others stick together as a team. A few eliminations happen with Krang announcing each of them in turn before the first of the TMNT, a still recovering Raphael, is taken out by one of the hamsters. Yeah, fuck you, Raph. <laughs> you I'm giving Raph a beating in this, but he's no, also kind of getting the most screen time. He's taken a pummeling from the yeah, start yeah. of the film. He hasn't really recovered really much, so it makes exactly, sense. Exactly, yeah. I get it. This is all happening very, very quickly. Yes, and right. you've yeah. given him a very central focus, so it makes sense. Krang is in his skybox, cackling with glee at the chaos unfolding below him. Slash joins Krang's maniacal laughter, but is cut short by Kino, who has climbed up to the platform. Didn't forget about Kino. No. Slash and Kino begin fighting on the platform as the larger battle continues in the arena. How how is Slash how is Kino fighting Slash? I mean, he, he's smaller than the turtles. He must be like fucking. He, he's super small and super nimble, so he is getting life. a lot of hits in, yeah. but not actually doing much damage. But he's dodging. Basically, my thinking is like Slash can't touch him because he's so small and so agile. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. But his punches and kicks aren't actually doing that much to Slash. That, that so it's kind of like battling against each other mm, and yeah, yeah that kind yeah, of thing. Okay. I see that. A few more eliminations happen, but Krang's commentary is interrupted as Kino and Slash's fight bumps into him. Krang wobbles on the edge of the platform before Kino ducks a swipe and kicks Krang off the platform. The battle royale, and the 90s music more importantly, pauses <laughs> as Krang, still in Shredder's body, plummets to the ground. He climbs to his feet as the anthropomorphic combatants all turn towards him. Mm. A brief moment. And then they all shout, get him! And team up to pile on Krang. Is it like the pig's bit in Hannibal? Very much so, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Got it. The villain is batted back and forth with each group laying in their signature moves. Krang tries to bargain with them and offers the, to return them back to their home dimensions. 
Krang opens a portal. And loud call of Krang echoes from what appears to be his homeworld. A larger female member of Krang's species <laughs> pokes through the portal and tells Krang to come home. <laughs> Krang's mum sends a long tentacle down and drags Krang out of the shredder body and into the portal before apologizing for his son causing a, for her son causing any trouble. Oh. Keeping it family friendly. Doing the frisky dingo ending. Okay. Kind of, yeah. With Krang gone, home for tea, the former enemies discuss what they should do next. A few of them want to return to their home dimensions, but Michelangelo is able to convince them to stay, at least for now, with the promise of a pizza party like they've never seen before because they've never you, seen pizza. You've got pizza in this dimension? That sounds delicious. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. We use the cheese as a base. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> My cousin was an anchovy. We all have New York accents. <laughs> they're all New York. I'm from the New York dimension. Well, they're, the they're all like dimension. Parallel, parallel dimensions of the turtles. Yes, so they are yes. New York. Yeah, yeah. New York within New Yorks. Yeah. The anthropomorphic animals are all crammed uh, into the TMNT underground hideout, along with dozens of pizzas. It's just it's it's like fucking Moss Eisley in there. Yeah. It's just a bunch of dodgy costumes. <laughs> Splinter introduces himself to the newcomers and raises his hand to quieten everyone down before summoning Kino. He presents him with a green bandana matching the other turtles. Kino drops to one knee as Splinter bestows the bandana upon him as well as a new name, Fernando. Fernando. Everyone explodes into celebration and pizza consumption. <laughs> Freeze frame. <laughs> exactly yeah jesus uh so fernando is named after fernando amasolo which is the famous filipino artist mm-hmm. and ah. ernie reyes jr and the character of kino are of filipino american yes, descent yes. so that ties together the leonardo michelangelo blah, blah 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 all that kind of stuff so that is my pitch for teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 enter the techno drone <laughs> It's silly. It's bombastic. Maybe not as mental as my Blade Spider-Man pitch, yeah. <laughs> but appropriately 90s and over the top and silly. And uh, yeah, I, I await your feedback, gentlemen. But maybe are you, are you, are you, think, are you thinking Wu or McTiernan for this one after you've heard the pitch? That is the question. Or someone else. Like, obviously, you can suggest your own things. I mean, I th- it depends on kind of how the film breaks down uh, in a lot of ways, because I think yeah. if you, depending on how much focus and how much time is given to the big battle royale at the end, mm. like part of me could see if that if that actually is like a half an hour section of the film kind yeah, of thing. That that's kind of what I imagine. I imagine it being like the final third is sure. the big culmination and the whole back and forth. There, there'll be a lot more detail given to the the different yeah. groups and all the of course, kind of, of it, dynamics and all that kind of stuff. Then part of me thinks that that Wu might be better for that, just because he's got more experience with the kind so of that's, martial arts. Not gonna lie, that's why I picked him because I wanted a big martial arts yeah. showdown. But I think either could work, and I think McTiernan would probably work better for some of the earlier stuff. I can imagine that he would make the kind of the initial confrontation with uh, Slash work really well. Yeah. yeah. I really like that you you brought in Krang uh, and the Technodrome. Which is kind of what Out of the Shadows does, as I mentioned earlier. Yes, yeah. But but badly. And mm-hmm. to me, like, the, the, the fact that, they, like, the, the, the third film, like, it seems so natural that that's where you would go and they 
decided, no, let's let's go feudal Japan. <laughs> let's let's introduce magic and time travel. This this is so much like if you're gonna make a big leap into magic and sci-fi and shit, yeah. as, as sci-fi as a show is already as a yeah. as a series is already, this is the obvious next step, right? Yeah. Like you do either do like Baxter Stockman as the fly monster, which mm. was one of my original ideas as well. He sure. becomes the fly and then blah blah. Mm. I was I did originally have him doing this in this pitch, mm. but I felt I was kind of doing the Spider-Man three thing of like you don't need Stockman as the fly and Slash, sure, sure, and yeah. Krang and all the other creatures as well. It kind of comes a bit bloated at yeah. that point, but yeah, you could have no Krang and have him like experimenting on the animals and creating the other animals or something mm. like that. Yeah, yeah. I'd be tempted to get rid of Slash because okay. I think yeah. you can have you can have you could have Krang and Shredder's body beat up Raphael. Raphael yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Which would make him more of a threat mm. to start with, um, and then. The, I mean, the big joke is that he's not a threat. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, to, to, and then at the end, he just gets plucked yeah. out, and um, yeah. It reminds me of um, the episode of Futurama. So Futurama? That's yes. what inspired <laughs> <laughs> Yes, where it turns out, like, where they... It, it's, it's it's a Star Trek god cloud monster yes. parody thing. Do and my then he has to eat, script. And then he gets called home for tea yes. by his mum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just creating another universe, <laughs> mum. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yes, so I, li- I liked the undermining of Krang, who's always like, who who can be both like this weird, intimidating, like mastermind, but also it's like, yeah, but you look like a squishy bra- brain testicle, like. So yeah, yeah. In, in in doing the research, Krang is one of the characters that changes the most from interpretation to interpretation, and I believe he's a thing that originated in the animated series. So he's like a he's an early okay. character, but he didn't come around at all. I think I'm sure I'm gonna have Turtles fans right. kick yeah. it off. But sometimes he's quite quirky and kind of a comedy character, like he is in the animated series. Mm. And the Technodrome's like a big bumbling, mm. like barely functioning, like steampunk thing, all this kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's the 2012 series. He is Krang the Conqueror, like Kang the Conqueror, mm. basically, mm-hmm. and he is General Krang, mm. and he is leading his army of the. Um, his species is called Utroms, mm. and I found out. He's leading the army of the Utroms onto Earth and all this stuff, and he takes himself pretty fucking seriously, and he's like a mastermind general and all this kind of stuff. Mm. I wanted to do the balance where he thinks he's the mastermind, but he's actually just a kid playing with his multidimensional toys. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, kind of merge a few of the different interpretations there. What's the uh, um, the, the the giant brain spider things in doom um you, you can you can make God. krang terrifying and creepy you can make mm. him really uh realistic or you can basically make him a fun you know the general Krang you can do quite well but i think you've got a good balance here for the kind of tone you're striking so i liked it a lot actually as a film as a standalone piece kid version of matt would have loved it because it's got a lot of things from the series that i would be familiar with it takes it seriously enough, so it's not actually talking down to kids. It feels like a natural continuation of the other films. I think you get slapped a lot because of the amount of, in inverted commas, violence, but this is part of the issue here. Um, and my, one of my only real issues with the film, if I'm honest, 
Oh, by the way, I would completely agree with Tim. I think John Woo might be the better shout because you're right. Yeah, McTiernan at the start, more John Woo at the end, but I think both can make it work. Maybe, maybe I hire Tiernan to do the first half. We have creative differences and I bring John Woo on to finish <laughs> off and he does. Possibly, uh, yeah. Hey, Jack, do you want to do like a big uh, like big battle thing? And I'm like, yeah, sure, John, go for it. Yeah, yeah you do you, John. Yeah, <laughs> Loads two, of doves and slow-mo, go for it. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say... From one John to another John. As an anime fan, it's a tournament arc, so I'm like, yeah, great. Um, it's literally Dragon Ball Super. So I'm like, you are brought together for the universe to... <laughs> that was the inspiration as well. Brilliant. It's like, yes. <laughs> I literally inspired by the universal tournament arc or dimensional <laughs> tournament arc or whatever it's called yep. in Dragon Ball Super. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shredder, by the sounds of it, is basically a mech suit, so I'm I'm happy. Shredder's <laughs> a mech suit. He is, yeah. Yep. yeah. He, he's he's a big, fleshy, big, sexy mech yeah. suit. The violence, I don't think actually you'd have a lot of problem with because of one big fucking major problem. And this isn't something you can deal with. This is something that you're going to hit no matter what. As you said before... People don't care about the turtles at this point. It's it's a problem. Yeah, that's Knowing the thing I'm worried about. This, yeah. Because in 1993, on television, the Power Rangers came out. Mm. Yes. And suddenly, the natural transition from turtles to Power Rangers... That was my other plan to cross it over with Power Rangers. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, because the because the Power Rangers film comes out they in 1995 on and TV, don't they? They have crossed over in the TV and they have crossed yeah. over in comics as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think so. You... Going big space force thing like, hey, we're the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. We've been hunting Krang across the across <laughs> space and blah 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 blah, and have them teleport down and then yeah. have a big Zord fight or something. I don't know. Yeah, Krang Technodrome Krang. Yeah. Zord versus yeah. Megazord <laughs> and then turtles doing some nice <laughs> problem is they kind of overpower the turtles they have guns and giant robots and the turtles <laughs> That's are like true. yeah go team oh no we'll, we'll set out this one and the thing is again if you're like oh that's a lot of crazy ridiculous anthropomorphic suited things like yeah like in fucking Power Rangers there's yeah, still it a, is. Yeah. a market for it so I don't know. It's it's a tricky one because again, I like it as it is. I think it's very solid. I wouldn't really change much, if I'm honest. But it does come down to the the problem that isn't something you can fix. The prerequisite is that you've got to release it after two, basically after ooze. You either go straight in like ninety three, which is going to be too fucking soon. You could no, do ninety two, yeah, like that's, really that's, really quickly, but yeah, you wouldn't get something of this scale in ninety two because exactly. My worry is it'd be rushed. You'd have, exactly. They'd strip it down. They'd strip the budget. Um, you could do it a little bit later, which is what you've done, and that makes sense. But then you come up with the whole turtles fading, and Power Rangers on the rise, and I mean, what Power Rangers movies? Nineteen ninety five, is it? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 a tricky one. And then obviously you go, oh well, maybe I'll do it in two thousand and five. And you're like, again, is there a market for it for a live action thing? Even the animated turtles film, as much as probably the best iteration of the cinematic release versions, didn't make crazy money. It wasn't until there was enough of this sort of resurgence of um, of nostalgia-driven properties like Transformers things coming back and things. That, well, obviously we do Turtles. And even then, they didn't get a chance to do a third one. So there are a few scripts that come up where you go, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Very <laughs> much so in prequelizers with series. series oh, yeah, God, series, yeah. Don't get me started. All the time. This one is deceptive, actually. I think, I think, I think you've done a really good job and I don't think I would change much. I think I think genuinely this is a good way to fix it. I think you could go it like I said in a lot of different directions. Oh, easy. and as I said, you could swap. You could, as you said, Tim, take Slash out and make Krang a more serious threat. You could take Krang out and make it more about Baxter Stockman. 
and make him the the primary like experimenting scientisty guy. Cool. There are ways of twisting it and stuff, but I think any of them would work because you can kind of get away with anything in this universe mm. because yeah. it's so <laughs> stupid and kind of full of blokes in rubber suits doing kung fu fights yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but this still feels like a natural progression to this point it feels like it's gone here you've got the first film being fairly grounded <clears throat> second one being ridiculous in the sense that it's more kid friendly and more like oh there's some crazy ooh stuff and there are other there are other monsters mm. now there's like oh it's not just this you know who are we fighting um wayward teens <laughs> it's like Sorry. Yeah. Yes, the Foot Clan is wayward teens, and like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not great. Um, whereas this one's like, what are we fighting? We're fighting these really weird, you know, monsters. And like, okay, that I see where you go with that. This feels like a logical progression, and it's got things from the the cartoon that kids would recognize and like. So I think you'd be onto a form of winner here. I I would have loved it as a kid. That's kind of why I wrote, I wrote yeah, it for like yeah. seven to eight year old Jack. Basically, yeah, that's, that's the smart way to do it. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day. And it feels very much in the right tone. I think you've got the right balance of some of the darker elements like the alleyways. and Yeah, um, the, I, I wanted to kind of recapture a bit of what I enjoy about, so much about the first one, but not totally disregard the second one and the fact that I don't have a choice and follow on from mm. it. Like, you can't yeah. just go like... Like I said, you can't just do Last Ronin and be like, we're now Dark Knight Returns. It's yeah. all dark <laughs> and really super sure, somber. Sure. And... The problem we've had so many times on this show is complete tonal whiplash from one mm. sequel to the next. You go like, mm. yeah, the second one's good. Third one, really dark and weird. Or the third one's really kid-friendly and weird. So me, I tried to find a balance between the two where you have Slash is quite an intimidating, dark, like like you said, this bizarre, like almost grotesque, creepy-looking black mirror of the turtles design themselves. And then you have Krang, who is this chewing gum blob <laughs> who turns out to be a naughty boy like yeah <laughs> he, you bring in the kind of kid-friendly stuff and kind of balance out a little bit sure. there and that was my plan no it's and again if you think people might say well would audiences go with this would they have like, again just to bring mortal kombat again 1993 you'd have had mario brothers and Mortal Kombat. And they're starting to shift to video game properties but they still look like what you've described a weirdly dark 90s version of something yeah which has a lot of interesting puppetry lots of silly comedy and puppetry and mm. stuff yeah 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 i i um i think you've got a lot of restrictions that would have been problematic for you but from what you had to start with i think it's i think it's a really solid entry um and i think yeah kid version of matt 1994 would have been 10 he'd have enjoyed this easily but he wouldn't have he would have pretended not to, I think. <laughs> to be because cool. he was 10. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm not running his tales anymore. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen like more of a uh, a resolution for kind of Raphael and Leonardo's bit of an they, they it feels like they kind of start their arc. And yeah. Then it doesn't Yeah, that's fair. I mean just to jump in here, I apologize. I feel that's what always happens with turtles. They always have a bit of a <laughs> um a, a, a blowout. That kind of goes nowhere because they can then do it in another episode. Yeah. <laughs> or another film, I should say. Um, you do get the best of it in, like, you know, the mm. TMNT animated film. And it works reasonably well in the Bay ones. But it's like the idea that Leonardo will always be the leader and Raphael will always be bitter mm. about it. But there's there's probably r- room to do something just in the Battle Royale, like, as 
oh well, you know it gets eliminated fit, yeah, fit yeah, yeah. something they, in there they have just to work kind of, together and stuff yeah. and yeah i did originally have a plan where where slash was basically the main kind of villain before mm. i came up with the battle royale thing where Raphael would try and attack slash again but him and leonardo would work together in order to defeat slash and that would be the only way they'd be able to beat mm. him is that's the end of the uh the first <laughs> Film. It is, yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's why the, it kind of inspired me. That fits the universe. That's why it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And doing that kind of thing and having them have to work together and show that they're brothers. And Leo understand Raphael's where he's coming from, but Raphael more importantly understanding that there is a reason that Leonardo is the leader of the group. Yes, and that Raphael maybe he is the strongest and the toughest of the turtles, but he is not the best at being an inspiring leader and actually coming up with strategic plans for mm. tackling foes that are more important than them, whereas Raphael yeah. just kind of bundles straight into stuff and just, yeah. you know, throws himself with his muscles and his size and stuff. Yeah, he, he's he's the, he's the fist of it all. He's he's the arm of it, as it were. Um, Donatello is the tech guy, the Q, as it were. And maybe not in this universe. Leonardo is the one who orchestrates and, and is able to Captain America and deliver the orders and Michelangelo is their weed guy. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So I feel like we definitely need the answers on these. On these. So oh, for yes. hamsters wearing red karate geese and black belts, do you guys have any ideas? I'll give you a clue. It is all the, it, the, the like format is exactly the same as Teenage Mutant Ninja sure, Turtles. Sure. So it is blank, it's blank. Is it mutant, blah, 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 like... that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So it's... are they four word, four word titles? or uh, Give or take, yes. Okay. Four, four phrases. And are they all either. alliteration or not? Some of them are. Okay. Kung Fu Hamster <laughs> People. Nope. Tim, any ideas? Um... There are a couple I think you could maybe get bits of and then some of them are like, fuck off. Crimson Kung Fu Fighting Hamsters. <laughs> they are, and like I said, I own a few issues of these comics because mm -hmm. they did a run as a parody in the 90s and they mm -hmm. they did another run from Dynamite Comics in the mid-2000s as well. Mm -hmm. They are the adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. <laughs> that sounds eerily familiar. And I don't know it, why. It, it's by far the most popular of the parodies. There are a yeah. few more parodies, but these are the ones that have actually been published. Um, and I kind of picked my top six of the ones I've either read or know about. The next one, uh, probably easier if I just run them down, right? Because mm -hmm. others will be here all day trying to guess sure. random descriptors. Next, you have the geriatric gangrene jujitsu gerbils. Fucking hell. Which is... Uh, the, I own that as well, and that's a pile of shit. So this, the adolescent this, radioactive black white hamsters are actually quite good. This, mm -hmm. yeah. this next one I thought might be uh, the Warriors of Virtue. Uh, which was a 1997 <laughs> film I, featuring... Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Kung like, Fu kangaroos. Monk kangaroo type characters, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. They are the uh, pre-teen, dirty gene Kung Fu kangaroos, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I love. Um, the, the one you got closest to, Matt, was the elephants, Yeah, which is the uh, adult thermonuclear samurai pachyderms. Oh, fuck. Sake. From and it was quick. That was originally the title of the comic, but it was quickly changed to like Power Pachyderms or Pachyderm Power. And it starts off as an X Men parody. The cover is just like 
Magneto, but as an elephant and a bunch of other stuff. (laughs) And then they kind of transition and become the turtles. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, And the last one, the the koalas, are the naive interdimensional commando koalas. (laughs) I thought it was pretty great. Uh, The one I didn't include, but was tempted to include, is one of my other favorites, is the mildly microwaved prepubescent kung fu gophers, (laughs) which is another one. And there are are a couple more as well that I didn't include. Sure. But uh, yeah, that that was really stupid. I did originally, like I said, have the Biker Mice from Mars, Street Sharks, and something else. I think it was the tri- the, the dino cats. warriors or something pizza like that. Cats. I said samurai pizza cats. They were in there as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I and I had them all the coming way. through different portals and stuff. Avenger just as like a just as a cameo yeah, kind of thing. But <laughs> I thought let's do a deep cut with weird comics instead. No, no, that, that that would have been. You could honestly swap them out and it would be fine mm. either way. But yeah, except for the timing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The problem was that a lot of the stuff doesn't come out yeah. like street sharks isn't quite out yet properly no, or, yeah, or one of the bike mice mars doesn't happen to like 96 and it's all, yeah. don't quote me on those dates not but not i did do a bit of research say yes we'll do it because there's a market for it mm. even well, yeah. power rangers you'd be like uh they're still new kid on the block actually they're huge absolutely huge by 1994 but they haven't got their own film yet plus they i don't think and they wouldn't they, want to share it. yeah they wouldn't want to share it's, it's no. the thing whereas these I'm presuming That's a very contemporary mindset. Yeah, I'm presuming they are all fairly small independent studios producing Ninja Turtle parodies. And so probably would not yeah. mind if they're if some executive comes along and goes, like, hey, we'll give you a thousand dollars. Yeah. Do you want twenty thousand dollars to to include your parody thing in the in the third Turtles film? They'd be like Legitimized, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Well, nice work, Jack. That, yeah. Thank you. That is definitely, I think, an improvement over Turtles in Time. I think it'd be more fun to watch. It would look, it would look better, which is yes. the, the more important thing. I think it'd do a lot of fun with some set design inside mm. the Technodrome and being very over the top and silly. Yeah, we've gone from Turtles in Time to Turtles in Relative Dimensions in Space. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> exactly. That would, have, that would have been quite a good subtitle, actually. Just TMT three TARDIS. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the most nineties doesn't quite work. Try and mash them up. Well, that was my pitch for TMNT three. I'm sure we'll have some very opinionated uh, listeners out there because this is certainly a franchise that resonates with our target audience. Being <laughs> people around our age in yeah. <laughs> their 20s and 30s. So that should be interesting when we get the feedback on uh, social medias and Discord and all that kind of stuff. And if you want to be a part of that group, hit us up on social media. We are sequelizers on everything. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the obvious stuff. And uh, if you want to join our Discord, which is a fantastic community of people and listeners, fellow-minded and very open to discussion of various topics, you can go to sequelizers.com and click the link at the top of the website there as well. The website has links to all the social media stuff, links to the Patreon, links to our merch shop, links to all the podcast services you could ever want, all in one place. It's a nice, easy th- place to find everything about us, basically. There's even a little bio about the three of us. Isn't it exciting? Sequelizers.com is the place to go. If you want to 
have a go at me directly about me <laughs> bastardizing and ruining your favorite franchise from the 90s. I'm JLW Chambers on, again, all the social medias. Tweet at me. We've already had some angry tweets about our Damien episode from earlier on this season about people trying to defend <laughs> because every time we do an episode... Uh, defending some Omen 3. People are defending Omen 2 and Omen 3 at this point. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we have people defending almost every film we've ever covered on this show. Turtles 3 is the best one. I like Elias Katias as a pirate. That's what people are going <laughs> to say, and it's, uh, I'm ready for that fight. So I like the villain at, who's basically Flash Heart from Blackadder. <laughs> <laughs> come at me, TMNT fans. He was all right. He's fine. He's yeah. He's one of the best things about that film he, for sure. He plays essentially the same character in uh, Mask of Zorro. Uh, yes, he yes. does exactly. Yes. Another appropriately nineties thing. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, if they would like to hit you up and follow you on the social medias, how can they do that? Stogs S T O G H Z, or the Red Right Hand at UK to read my reviews, or Cheeseman.com to see the things that I make. Uh, <laughs> Tim <laughs> bum, bum. Hey, hey Tim dum, 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 dum. Which uh, American street sewer Would people need to send things to Make sure they get to you They would, they would need to prize up The manhole cover that says At trivia underscore lad uh, And flush <laughs> their tweets In that direction <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh that's what that's where you can find me uh and anything i've been up to lately nice. jump on the discord and tell us what what turtle you think we each are who's your favorite turtle and why would you stick your bum in your mouth and i'm not i'm tired it's the internet it's dark it's full of horrors that, that is how the internet works <laughs> yeah yeah it's a reflection of society <laughs> exactly Society is a dark, horrible place at the moment. Even, even by modern standards. It's Didn't a, they it's give the female turtle tits? Yes, they did. Venus de Milo, the female turtle. Yes, they did. Venus de Milo is not a. Artist. I know, Matthew. I know <laughs> because that's not the artist's name, is it? Because they couldn't think of a female artist because they're misogynists. <sighs> well, so um, they named her after a famous piece of art done by your man. If if you're it gonna doesn't make any sense. Stick with renaissance art it does become tricky in the true there's not a huge amount of i found a filipino artist he's not renaissance but it doesn't fucking matter because yeah. <laughs> he's like the most famous filipino artist of the lot of them so and he's really bloody good by the way go and check out fernando amasolo on twitter no he's not on twitter i'm joking <laughs> uh, and, and more, no, more importantly his name ends with an o so you know that's the important i was so fucking pleased when i saw that <laughs> i was like what's a what's a name of a famous filipino artist gonna be like it's like hold on a minute there's Spanish like heritage and influence in the Philippines, <laughs> mm-hmm. hence how you get Fernando Amesolo Igueto, yeah. which is his full name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a relatively recent artist. Like he was alive. He I think he died in the 1970s, but he did these incredible portraits of like people around him and stuff that are, that are really brilliant, like gardens and stuff, and people farming in in the Philippines and stuff like that. It's really really cool. I've got a question. Okay. Of the following female Renaissance artists, which do you think would be best for a female turtle? 
which I want ends in O. <laughs> well, they end in A because they're Italian. A. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sofonisiba. So it's only it's only so is that the first name? That's the first name. Or would the surname be only thing? I suppose Leonardo. Leonardo's no, it's, first it, name, it's, so yeah. it's, fir- it's always first names. Yeah. yeah. Sofonisiba. So Artem- Artemisia. Lavinia. Artemisia is my pick so far. Yeah. Elisabetta. Artemisia. Clara. Marietta. Lucia. He's just listing Italian names now. <laughs> Lu- okay. Lucia Ang- uh, Anguissuola. Rosalba Carrera. Artemisia. Irene. Is my pick. <laughs> Not Venus de Milo. Irene de Spilimbergo, I believe. Anyway, the point is there are some. They could have done something. <laughs> Senior Spilbergo. <laughs> Spilimbergo. His, his non union Mexican equivalent. <laughs> Esther English. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's plenty. Uh, so they, they fucked up. They did. My, they um, did. It's stupid. Um, but on that note, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with something entirely different <laughs> to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Couldn't be. Actually, no, that's not true. There is an item of clothing that links them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that Raphael and his return. <laughs> the team will return in Jack's pitch next week. Oh God! If I, you know, I'm doing like I'm kind of doing a little joke of like crossing over things in this season, mm-hmm. but fuck me, I should have just done one big cinematic universe between my four pitches because, now ladies and gentlemen, I've I've done my Blade, I've done my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It gets. It would get very would different. Get very, very different. Very different from what you've seen so far. And uh, yeah, tune in next week for my next pitch and the next episode of season seven. My next pitch and your favorite film. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, there's a little tease for you. The first film is massively critically acclaimed. The first film Argued to is be one of the best films ever made. Ever made. And nobody knows it has a sequel. And I didn't know a sequel existed until you brought it up. And I was like, what is that film? <laughs> and you're like, it's a sequel to this film. Like, why is it called that then? That doesn't make any sense. You're like, I know. It's mm-hmm. not as good. So I'm going to try and fix it next week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so stay tuned. And I'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> what did we sing to that last time? We had uh, Ryan Reynolds stars. Ryan Reynolds stars are dead. 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 And some others. 